Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. Like, what is it that draws you to a party that seems to abandon whatever it was that drew you to the party in the first place? Masochism, maybe? Yes, I mean, just like a, a, like a self Why do you hate yourself, Peter? <laughs> I saw you burning yourself with cigarettes. I thought I should call someone. <laughs> I just need to feel something. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> no, I mean... As the hot knife goes into his forearm. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth column. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the new cycle of people that make it occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster, and we're going to talk fast. Talk wow, that's 1.0. That's not even yeah, like 1.5. I tried to talk fast, and it just, it just went bad. You know yeah. what it is? Watermelon margaritas. Oh, that's what? What it is. <laughs> Watermelon sugar. <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, the racism totally. in the appropriation. You dipped your you racism know what it is? in your appropriation. Delicious. Yeah. Um, you got I my very... chocolate and your peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I do various things and free things. And I'm delighted to be here with you. I am, I'm going to help you on this fantastic voyage and joining me on this yes. fantastic oh, voyage, yeah. as per usual, Matt Welch, editor at Large Reason Magazine, Michael Moynihan, Vice News. Gentlemen. What's good? How y'all doing? I'm broke as a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Went in having a rough week. Is the uh, crypto no carnage? <laughs> crypto I'm, carnage takes I, place. I'm trying to find my, my crypto. Ain't got no crypto left. <laughs> I'm red fox in my crypto, man. Yeah, I got fucking slaughtered this morning. So, so let's wow. let's make some sense out of this, Moynihan. Yeah, I, I think yeah. a couple of days ago. Yeah. Crypto was up around like sixty thousand dollars. Well, uh, Bitcoin was, yeah, Bitcoin, yeah. Bitcoin yeah. was. That's, that's lower, I mean, this is yeah. what most most of us pay attention to. But yeah. at some point, it was around sixty thousand dollars. Yeah. Today, it's around thirty six thousand seven hundred. It hit thirty on the button. It hit thirty thousand, and that's up a little bit. Yeah, that's up a little bit. Now it's thirty six. Yeah. Yeah. Now, wow. Now, <laughs> obviously, for many people, this is this is a bad day. This is frightening, and the sell off has been going on for several days now. Yeah, for um, several days. But if we were to rewind back in time <laughs> to May of last year, yeah, remember I said we're around thirty thousand now. In May of last year, Bitcoin the Bitcoin price was around nine thousand dollars. Yeah, and, and around the not, same time, I will not keep reminding you of the time that you <laughs> you snubbed me when I was like, "Buy the dip," and you're like, "The fucking dip! It's eleven thousand." I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. You're "Like, yeah, whatever, dude." I might, I may still turn out to be right. Yeah, well, well, well. If you were smart, you would have bought then and then sold it at sixty and been like, "Yeah, See you suckers. yeah." You were telling me to um, buy it at sixty. That's what you're. Yeah, telling well, me it do. was. So Bitcoin got got kind of beaten up today, but you know, look. It bounced back a little bit. The uh, various shit coins that I have, alt, or altcoins alt <laughs> as they're called, um, you know, the main, two main ones, Ethereum and Bitcoin. Um, Ethereum had been climbing like crazy, crazy yeah. recently. It had been kind of pushing 2000 and and not, you know, meeting that resistance. And then it just kind of broke out. So all that stuff has lost um uh, you know, a lot in the past couple of days. It was funny with there's a, an established one called Monero, and I think that was the one that, that it, it's it's lost like fifty fifty five percent in the past seven days. So that's a lot. That's a bit What's some volatility. The, uh, what is the going theory <laughs> for this particular uh, dip? Well, two two things. Uh, well, when I I'd add my own thing to it, but the the, the two <laughs> made major things are when um 
uh, Elon Musk, who's been fucking everybody for the past like two weeks. <laughs> but buy Dogecoin, Dogecoin, diamond hands to the moon. And then he's like, you know, goes on to SNL and he's like, what a scam. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> Starts selling everything off. Um, and Dogecoin is a complete, everyone's like, it was based on a joke, based on a meme. It's like, well, more than that, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't actually solve it. It's just a kind of bullshit um, crypto. And, uh, but you know, look, it's, that was just people gambling. Uh, so yeah, that's taken quite a huge hit today too. Uh, very, I mean, up from like, it was at like 72, 73 cents and, and now it's down <laughs> 30 something. But, um, so, so li- Elon literal, Musk said, literal penny stock. Yes. Literal penny. Well, that's the <laughs> Shiba Inu, which is another, um, version, a spinoff of that, which I think lost like 80% of its value. But, um, so basically what, what Elon Musk did is he said, um, you know, I think it was in March or May, he said that uh, Tesla would take Bitcoin for mm-hmm. uh, sales of Teslas. And then he revealed how much uh, Tesla had actually invested in Bitcoin. And then the price started going crazy. He said the other day, due to environmental concerns about the mining of Bitcoin, which is kind of bullshit in some ways, um, we will not be... Um, uh, accepting Bitcoin anymore. And then the one-two punch is the Chinese government said uh, the banks banks red, in China will not be... Red Chinese. Yeah, communist China. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the communists... Weirdly, the communist country was like, you're not going to be allowed to to uh, to dabble in this uh this cryptocurrency that doesn't allow Isn't, us to control aren't those so, two yeah. stories like connected where like uh the the concern about the mining of bitcoin and maybe other cryptocurrencies as well i don't fucking know this shit um is uh something that requires a lot of energy and a lot of that energy is actually done in chinese red chinese coal plants right well i think china's actually ahead of a lot of people um in in one sense i mean a lot weirdly a lot of the the mining in china is renewable and there's an incentive of course to make it renewable because it's cheaper and you make more money so basically the the calculation is if you're using a lot of power to power these graphics cards and these big you know hulking machines that are basically doing computations of um you know needlessly complex uh, transactions on the blockchain. So if it's doing that all the time and you're doing it out of like your house and your house is, you know, high power rates, if you are mining and you get, you know, you know, mine a a Bitcoin after all this time, you could be losing money. I mean, even if you're actually getting the reward because the power is so high. So when I went to, uh, I think it was, was it Genesis's facility? I went to one in Iceland. Um, because that's a geothermal. There's a lot of guys that do it there. And I think in Quebec, they do the geothermal thing too. And mm-hmm. it's environmentally friendly and it's a lot cheaper. So you can actually make money doing it. Whereas in places where the power costs are high, if you just do it using straight power, it's not, it's not beneficial. So there's a lot of people that are actually doing renewables um, and cheaper, cleaner, greener types of uh, power to mine. Um, the other thing I think about this big run is that everybody's spending? No one's no one's mentioned this. Everyone's spending their stimulus checks on fucking crypto. I mean, there's a lot of this stuff, a lot of evidence of this out there, and people get panicked and they're like, "Oh, it's all going away. I just got to sell it, got to sell it." And so the big sell-off was you see all these whales out there, these big crypto whales of these people, these big ones that own everything. Um, uh, you know, people that are associated with them posting stuff on Twitter of like one was like the supermarket sweep uh, gif. You know, like, remember that old show of like, because it's just like, it's, it's, this is a sale on crypto right now for a lot of people. So there's a lot of people that bounce that you've seen, like, probably like a, you know, 
you know, and, and Bitcoin sounds like another $8,000 north bounces. You know, pe- people are buying now because this is a dip. So um, yeah. my problem is that I have a lo- I have a lot of, I've, it's Ethereum and Bitcoin, but I got a lot of other little experimental ones that, uh, that uh, experiment. Experimental. Yeah. Experimental. They're not, they're not experimental. Well, I think they're not, it's called they're not wild too, speculation. No, wild they're, speculation. Too, they're ones that are actually a few, I think all of them you can buy on Coinbase mm-hmm. with the exception of Doge, which mm-hmm. I just bought for the fun of it. By fun, I mean I lost all my money. Uh, I don't. Want, I don't want to talk about this forever. Uh-huh. However, I'm going to extend the developments in crypto for just one point mm-hmm. for people who uh, might not be interested in crypto, which is to say, um, <laughs> it's how odd. much? How much? Well, no, because it's it its existence points to some stuff that's happening in our world, and mm-hmm. so my question for Moynihan, Camille, too, um, is, uh, what's your sense of how much the kind of uh, uh, continuous price rise that's up and down, but like on the long term, it's crazy. Uh, the graph um, is due to it being basically an alternative currency to a world where everyone's debasing their currencies. And how much of it is just like, hey, speculation, I'm going to win. Speculation. Uh, it's like yeah. 99% speculation. 99 to 1. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. There's so many people that I know and I've spoken to don't believe Convince that it may go down. And today just got their wake up call. Because in COVID times, this shit has been going in one direction. And, you know, stocks have been up and I mean, they've been, you know, and, and the market's been incredibly bullish in the past year. But it's been some, you know, people speculating on things that go up and down and up and down. Um, whereas I talked to one person that I mentioned to you, Camille, uh, before we started, who has made, he's like, I'm just making all this money. It's all in crypto. And I'm like, yeah, you might want to take some profit soon because um, something's going to happen because, you know, it just it can't keep going up. And that's what people think is is weird. So we're, when we were doing our show in Miami on the 3rd of uh, uh, June, is it that weekend, the day after the big Bitcoin exact conference? Exact same day. It starts yeah. that day. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not a complete weirdo nerd that hangs out at cryptocurrency confer- conferences, but you're in the neighborhood, this ours is the better option. Just so yeah. You know. <laughs> well, th- there are at the moment, anyways, still a few tickets remaining for There's both a few left, the, yeah. the early show and the late show. Same. We day haven't released those widely, have we? Um, they they are now. You can find them on Eventbrite, and you can also find them at wethefifth.com forward slash Miami. And you can yeah. purchase tickets there. They're there. You can only um, buy it in unless Dogecoin. they're all sold out now, which is <laughs> yeah. entirely possible. In which case, you can direct message me, give me a price, and I will tell you whether or not I will sell you some of the tickets off the black market. I'm what? Hold a few back. I'm gonna hold a few hold back. A few back. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, because I yeah. can do that. I'm in control Scalp. here, Scalp. and it's your fault for being late. So yeah. there you go. Wow. That's but we price. should we should get in we it's should get into it a little bit. Right, because yeah. there's there's other things happening. Um, obviously, the most important story um, of the week uh, is uh, UFO stuff. I mean, seriously, the 60 minutes of covering this, I encouraged Moynihan and Welch to actually take this story seriously, to take a look at this material. We'll see if they did their homework. And I think we need 60 to talk minutes. About that. that DeSantis story was pretty good too, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> let's talk about the UFOs. I think that's a little more important to discover that we are not alone yeah. in the universe. I'm damn just it. saying, what I, don't I love these that days. UFOs are in American skies, flying around with impunity, shutting mm. down nuclear submarines and. Like, who knows what's coming next? This is a big deal. This is the biggest possible deal. How come no one else is seeing this? Just people in the military. No Not one else just is like... Moynihan, stop asking questions. Who I'm gets asking questions who gets because to I don't fly? know the answers. Yeah. Who, who gets, gets to, to fly? fly? The UFO? No, I mean, no. In general, who gets to fly in the world? Who gets airspace? It ain't the privates. 
Yes, yeah. not it's not yeah, Camille and his little assume, Cessna. You would assume that they that these that, what a <coughs> dumb conversation already. You would assume <laughs> that these things are coming down towards Earth and going, mm, what are those? And it's like you know, Kansans, uh, you know, or something. And people are like, what the fuck? But yeah. they just happen to be plunging into the water in front of people in F sixteens. Is kind of well, you kind of you make fun now. You laugh now. They're you fucking think it's funny those. today. You yeah. think it's funny today. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, um, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict continues to rage on. I believe it's in its like 10th day today. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's further along than that. But whatever it is, it has continued. Um, there have been talks of a potential ceasefire. I believe um, the, 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 the governing body. And it's hard to know what to refer to them as. But Macron had a call with oh, uh, Joe Biden yeah, today. Yeah. Also had a call yeah. with. Um, we call them terrorists. <laughs> way. <laughs> also had a. Well, also had a call with, call with, with Netanyahu. Um, yeah. And in both instances, there seems to be some talk of a potential ceasefire. Although I don't know that it's going to happen today, and we'll we'll see. But that that's still worth paying some attention to. Yeah. Just today, the House passed a bill that would establish a January sixth commission. Um, and it became a hell of a lot more partisan than people were perhaps expecting. Um, a handful of Republicans actually voted in favor of this legislation, but many Republicans decided um, in in recent days not to support this legislation. And I think that's probably worth paying a little bit of attention to um, and plenty of other things besides going on. But maybe we start there with the January 6th. You stuff, forgot that I'm, Demi I'm Lovato, uh, whoever that is, oh, is yeah. now a non-binary person. Yeah, I'm supposed yeah. to care about that. I, I don't is, even know who she is, but uh, they yeah. is very proud to announce. They yeah. is yeah. they is um, <laughs> is it? No, it's they are right. Ah, shit. I don't know. Who knows? How do you do? How know. do you conjugate that one? Am I allowed to just not care? Like I don't care. I at all. Okay, so here's not the thing. even a little bit. We're not, not going to talk not about it. But if you want to tell me, if you want to DM me. Because uh-huh. I don't know, and I'm too fucking lazy to look it up. But if it pops up in my inbox, maybe I'll read it. Um, I don't know what it is to be non to be non-binary. I just it's like you just don't know what you want. You don't care what you want. What is it? Because you coming out is non-binary. Sounds like I'm coming out is like a tennis player. It sounds like an, a thing that you've just chosen to do <laughs> and not really who you are. I don't know because you know what. You say that, and the next thing you know, you're you're being like arrested, and you know your your head is being pushed into a police car because you didn't understand. So I don't understand. If you want to tell me what it is, uh, feel free to hit me up and tell me what it is to be non-binary. I just My don't get it. My big prediction is that um, uh, right around the time that we have the last like gender reveal party, uh, mm. like you know the malady, someone's going to light off a cannon somewhere in texas and like kill what if that eight was the thing is like accident. hamas was just having a huge gender reveal party that's it that's all they're <laughs> that doing is, that's kind of a thing actually Fighting off rockets <laughs> it's United, gonna be forest fire. it's gonna be pronouns reveal party from from here on out it's oh. like uh, i'm oh. i'm going to today finally you have to wait until your child is three and they decide for themselves <laughs> i recognize <laughs> that, that talking about this is terrible and only detrimental to everybody involved um but Not i me, just i'm fine I just would would again point out that like pronouns are what people use when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, right. the The actual pronoun when you're there is you. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, but does, isn't it weird? Don't they change you to something else like Z? Or, I, don't I don't know. know. 
don't think those are those are other options. How do you think that, people that may... will die at pronoun reveal parties? <laughs> <laughs> because because <laughs> right now it's the fourth uh, largest cause of death in America are gender yeah. reveal explosion parties. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm not sure that is a true fact. A yeah, fifth, sounds, maybe. It's yeah. truthy after cancer. Truth is, it's in the direction of truth. Yeah, um, you know that it's dangerous, though. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but but maybe we should talk about this January just January sixth situation because I I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. The basic idea here being that something happened on January sixth. It's it's worth looking into, and some months ago, shortly afterwards, uh, Democrats made it very clear that they wanted to have some sort of nine eleven style commission. Um, but initially, reports around this suggested that this was potentially going to be commission that was staffed primarily by Democrats. Seven um, to four. Yeah. Was that was something that, yeah. that folks responded to somewhat critically, included folks that were pre- previously members of the 9-11 commission. Um, and eventually yeah. a compromise was reached and they decided to make this a much more bipartisan commission. Um, but all the same, the text of the legislation that was passed today um, is very, the language is very specific. And there are things about it that, at least for me, when I was looking into this today, as, as I was watching the vote come in, um, just st- stood out to me. Like the fact that the language used here, they describe this as an act of domestic terrorism, which mm. seems to me like a very particular choice of words as opposed to insurrection or riot or tumult attack, attack. <laughs> or, or even attack. Like that's... That seems pretty severe, and it does seem to be consistent with a project that is intent on finding fault. In fact, there are other indications here that that make one wonder about kind of the bent of the people involved in this project. Um, The fact that the criticism of Republicans who decided not to support this was they are afraid of the truth being revealed. They don't want the truth to come out here, which is why they're unwilling to support this commission. And I mean, I wonder, is it is it the case here that Kevin McCarthy, when he makes his statement suggesting that, you know, money has already been allocated to study whether how best to shore up security at the Capitol, that from his standpoint, the standpoint of other Republicans, um, the attack that took place in April, um, I believe it was around April 2nd when that Capitol police officer um, was killed. Uh, by the gentleman who drove onto the Capitol, that, that mm-hmm. acts of political violence like this ought to have also been included in this investigation. Um, and that was rejected. Um, and hit from his standpoint, there are already a bunch of different investigations and different House and Senate mm-hmm. committees. And this is probably sufficient for us to actually get to some answers, along with the fact and that hundreds the FBI of criminal is looking trials into this. Too. Hundreds of criminal invest- uh, arrests have already been made and trials are going forward. Um, I mean, that that all seems like a big deal. Am, am I wrong here to think that what what we actually see is another example of something that may, in fact, be genuinely important and worth getting to the bottom of? But like many other things before it, from, you know, lab leaks, questions about lab mm-hmm. leaks related to covid to various other important things like this has just been kind of hopelessly politicized. Yeah. And for the most part, this commission, it seems to me, is kind of another, while there may be many well-intentioned people who voted in support of it, not obvious to me that this would have been a straightforward, that this will be, um, to the extent it passes the Senate, a straightforward 
objective appraisal mm. of the facts that gets us closer to truth as opposed to another opportunity to rub Republicans' faces in the fact that some of their stupid antics helped precipitate a really shameful uh, occurrence on Capitol Hill back in January. Yeah, I mean, I think, I know, I know that you and Matt disagree on this, and I'm kind of somewhere in the, in the middle of the, the both of you, but um, I don't know about this uh, commission, we'll find out, but uh, w- why I'm skeptical of it, well, first of all, you point out that terror, domestic terrorism is used in the actual uh, bill itself. The problem with that is that one would assume that you'd use a measure of neutral language to get to the bottom of whether or not it was an act of domestic terrorism. You shouldn't actually be thumbing the scale at the beginning and saying it was, because that requires some sort of organization, right? I mean, it's not just individual, you know, these people running up and taking selfies at the base of the Norman Borlaug statue don't (laughs) strike me as Al-Qaeda types. But that, the first thing is is that the second one I would say that uh, is important is important to point out, as you did, that it was initially like a seven to four commission weighted towards uh, Democrats. Nobody believes for a second that Nancy Pelosi has a bipartisan instinct here and is looking to just work with people to get to the truth. I mean, there is obviously political motivations here in the same way that there were political motivations in the Benghazi stuff that the Republicans were running and Trey Gowdy was involved in. That was a that was obviously political, but there was something behind it, too. And this is the same thing is true here. Something behind it, too. You know, mm-hmm. we were all pretty vocal in, in um, denouncing what happened that day and how terrible it was and what a shameful day it was for the country. But when doing this, it strikes me as if... This is now one of the provisions, and just to be clear about this, was that the report has to come out this year uh, mm-hmm. because Republicans are complaining this is going to be uh, a midterm um, election tool to right. say that Republicans are essentially, a, you know, a group of insurrectionists, and that's who you're running against. And we want to, you know, retain control here. It'd be a great thing to run on. I don't believe that there is the, I don't know what truth they're seeking here because there's been so much. I mean, you know, the Brian Sicknick thing was was something that I pointed out very early on and Camille and I spoke out uh, spoke about off mic and said, maybe we shouldn't talk about this because there was something weird and fishy about it. And the reason that Brian Sicknick became this kind of icon and, you know, was lying in state was political. It doesn't mean that the people who said he should be lying in state were not genuine and thought that this man was a hero. But there was not a ton of evidence to suggest that the, you know, the developing narrative was true. But people wanted it to be true. So people started repeating it. And these are people that will tell you every second minute that, you know, the, you know, press failed in, you know, Iraq, for instance, and weapons of mass destruction. It, you know, these aren't of the same scale, but these are people that just were not questioning something that was clearly worth questioning because we didn't have, you know, a, a autopsy, death certificate, nothing like that. It was just, it was too important after this horrible thing that happened and Donald Trump should be impeached and kept from running again in 2024, that all of this stuff combined to make just this real messy bit of misinformation that came out. There's a lot of stuff, right? I mean, look at those headlines. Go back right now. Get to your computer. Look at those headlines. The number of people died 
you know, seventh person died, you know, associated with riot. There's these all of these headlines. This I read death- that to interject this week. I read uh, in a British paper. I don't think it was The Guardian and I don't think it was The Spectator, but it might have been The Spectator uh, UK saying the violence at the Capitol that led directly to five deaths. It's not true. Just, just as a fact. It's just, just not, not true. true. And, yeah. and, and, and when you're trying to inflate deaths, this is what, you know. Israel, Hamas, this is what's going on there because it's a death game, right? Of like, well, they killed 300 and only killed 12 of these. Like, these uh, deaths are political. There was always a point in Iraq when it was like a million civilians from some kind of dodgy Lancet study and everyone wanted the number of civilian dead to be higher and higher and higher. There's a political game being played here and why should we think it's going to be any different in this uh, bipartisan commission that exists to do what? To... Enlightened. I mean, Lee Hamilton from the 9-11 Commission was the one that Camille was mentioning who criticized its original formulation. The thing about the 9-11 Commission, beyond the fact that everyone was sort of united on that issue at the time, it's actually an amazing document because, you know, the people you know, that they're talking about were either, you know, dead, so we couldn't, you know, uh, get interviews with them or have court trials and the rest of it. It was a hugely important uh, bit of information for the average person trying to figure this stuff out. And the people that were going mm-hmm. to Guantanamo, we're not, we're not finding out anything from them. <laughs> we don't even know where they are. They're at black sites in Poland at this point. But that was incredibly informative because there was a lack of information. There's an enormous amount of information out there right now. And the one thing that everybody wants to know was, was it planned? And it so from what we have now, it seems like there were small bits of planning, but not in the scale yeah. that it that it, it happened. You know, all of that is specifically referenced in the in the legislation as well. Questions about whether or not it was planned, whether or not there was foreign money involved in the planning. So it, it, a lot of it does seem to be a bit leading. But Matt, I am expecting you to come in here. And to tell us, give us one condemn Michael for downplaying the violence and for suggesting that this is anything less than a, the most egregious domestic terror attack on. America oh, we're doing we're doing the we're doing the Camille. Let's 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 lead with an exaggerated version of what you imagine people are saying about the thing I, yeah. that criticizes well, Donald mean, Trump. I'm, just I, like I just, leaning leaning into saw, it, are we? Matt, uh, I was just my, his country. My, my position piece. on this is the same as it was during the 9-11 commission, which we're not unified. I disagree with Michael because the 9-11 commission was delayed uh, by the time that uh, the Bush administration. You, very unified the, we all knew it was a bad thing. I mean, there's yes, some like Republicans there, like, eh, but, not not that but, but not unified in the sense of uh, that a bipartisan consensus thought that we should do it. The Bush mm. administration absolutely dragged its feet on it. Came, it was dragged, kicking and screaming. By the time that it was uh, that there was a go ahead to even do the 9/11 Commission, more time had passed than uh, the distance between the JFK assassination and the Warren Commission. Oh, granted, that's a bit controversial, uh, but more time had passed between the Challenger explosion and Richard Feynman giving his, uh, you know, incredible uh, kind of deposition in front of of Congress. Like we took those things seriously quickly um again with controversy but like people like oh shit we need to figure this out pearl harbor like <laughs> you know, people went in and like oh my god we have to figure this out right away the bush administration did not at all and maybe that was actually kind of a rehearsal for uh for uh, the you know 15 20 years that we've seen since my position is the same as it was in 2002 as it was when, uh during the benghazi many benghazi hearings most of which 
were Trey Gowdy clown shows, although he has some skills, and I recommend to everybody to watch uh, Michael's exit interview with him for Vice. It's, uh, it's tremendous. Um, uh, but um, I supported those, too, um, knowing that they would be partisan, uh, opportunistic, scenery-chewing, uh, mugging for the cameras, clown shows, because in the same way that I uh, that I often support um, impeachment investigations, which are supposed to be investigations, not just we mm-hmm. vote for like getting rid of a guy, um, because Congress has this duty um, constitutionally to uh, investigate what happens in the executive branch um, and just sort of see what's going on. There is an investigative power that you can do with special committees, with select committees, and other things like that, subpoena powers associated with them. Um, and even if you know that it's going to be a clown show, um, to me, to say that that is preemptively a reason not to do them is mm-hmm. to yield to nihilism and to foreclose the ability to say, okay, I know you're going to do this r- badly, Right now, I know you are, but I want there to be any kind of sense of the development of muscles that may in the future be useful to a serious, a seriously governed republic, which at the moment we are not. So I think that you can get things that will be that can be potentially useful in this investigation. Um, I think that the chances of it being mostly a oxygen camera mugging clown show are super, super duper high. Um, but that in itself is not reason to not do it. And, you know, part of the elements of making it a partisan clown show include Kevin McCarthy, who's dumb as a box of hair. He is a dumb, dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb person. Really fucking dumb. He makes the rest of Bakersfield look so much smarter by comparison. And I say that I have nothing but fondness for Bakersfield, yeah, capital of, like of West, <laughs> Western country music. No, the Silver Bullet Bar. I know the place, right? Um, it's an incredible place. Um, he sucks and always has. Um, dumb guy. But one of the things that he has said in this is like, well, we're only going to do it if we can investigate Antifa. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's, that's widening uh, the scope to... I you mean, can make a point, as Camille has made, that... We live in a world in which there's been an increasing amount of political violence, and that's a bad uh-huh. thing. We can make those yeah. points. Great points. Nothing to do with this investigation. Nothing. Do you, um, do you think uh, it makes any sense to include uh, some sort of conversation about what happened at April 2nd, on April 2nd at the Capitol? Or I think is that's that a se- completely separate? I- I just think well. that's a separate thing. I think I think mm-hmm. the the questions that I have about January sixth uh, aren't that many. And uh, Michael, I think you referenced all the uh, criminal investigations. You know what those are going to be? There's going to be 300 pleas. It's not going to be a good day for the prosecutors. They're going to be like 300 pleas for criminal trespass. Um, uh, so much money thrown at so many people to get so little um, is what yeah. that's going to look like. Um, I mean, and with with the willing help with a lot of like you know writers for the intercept and like hey i think we finally found you know goat head boy over here um it, it's not it's not going to be a, a super wonderful and and revealing thing but i'm going to want to know about like the the communications um between various people um including just like you know the capitol police where where was the chain of command who was making decisions and why right. i don't ex- i don't expect like some aha moment but i just kind of want to know how that went down right i i suspect that that uh that it is a they have a useful subpoena uh, set of powers 
And in the past, and this is true, the 9-11 Commission, too, even if it mm-hmm. is politicized, the 9-11 Commission was politicized, um, mm-hmm. in not just in the in the reluctance, but in the people who participated. Google Jamie Gorlick uh, if you want to see uh, go down a, a rat hole of conspiracies. Um, so this will be politicized, too. Yet um, I think it will and like the Benghazi ones, too, which all focused on the wrong thing, from my point of view, or many of them did. Um, yet it still revealed interesting information by dint of the investigatory power of Congress. So in that sense, it mm. is worth it, despite um, the uh, discreditable behavior by most people involved in fighting over it. I just don't like these people being the ones who do it. Um, you know, it, there was 9-11 was a specific thing because the subpoena power was, was you know, interesting, powerful. The subpoena power here, by the way, requires the assent of both sides of uh, the five and five. They both have to agree on on the subpoena, which is actually interesting and, That's good. and, and heartening too. Um, you know, in the nine 11 report, there was, you know, intelligence stuff that was fairly interesting. I mean, I, I actually referenced the, the, I came across the nine 11 report two nights ago, nothing to do with this because mm. I was looking something up. Some light masturbation. <laughs> we, yeah. I mean, we all have our thing. I mean, I'm non-binary. That's, not that, that's what that means, right? I'm non-binary. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm not into anything. I'm just into Lee Hamilton reports. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, there was a, it was a reference to, to um, the, the guy from, Mauritania, who was, wrote this very famous book, The Guantanamo Diary, and he's referenced in the 9-11 report, and I came, came up against it. And that was pretty interesting because there was all this intelligence that they had access to and uh, the stuff that they kind of dribbled out into the report was really revealing. I wonder in the right. sense of this way, like who, like how, what are they going to have access to that we otherwise wouldn't have found out about or haven't found out about by journalism or yeah. by, you know, the Capitol Police's own investigation or, you know, the various investigations that go on. And, and you're absolutely right, Matt. I mean, there's so many of these are just going to be pleased because, you know, th- there was so much pressure after that. And I think I actually said the day of arrest all these motherfuckers. And, you know, I stick to that. Yeah. I think they've gone a little crazy <laughs> where they're like, you know, going like Zapruder filming. Like, I think that we found this one. I heard something today. They're like, they're planning on arresting like a hundred more people. It's like, Oh man, I, I uh, seriously that there was I can't remember what I said there was like they have a a, a bunch of others they're processing and tracking down etc. But it just seems like a lot a lot of overkill because I mean what you need to know is like these oath keeper types, proud boy types, whatever they are, who are organizing things and saying we have to stop what is happening in Congress rather than these dopey MAGA people who are like, oh my God, they're in, let's go. And they run in behind them, you know? It doesn't make mm-hmm. it okay and doesn't make it, you know, fine slap on the wrist sort of thing. But to to Kevin McCarthy's incredibly stupid point, it's like Steve Scalise was, was shot. That's an attack on on somebody. It was an attack mm-hmm. on somebody, uh, you know, with the uh, the Nation of Islam guy who drives into the cop and, and kills him. And, and, you know, we kind of ignored ignored that it just didn't really make many headlines but that's a similar attack right i mean the the attacks in portland on the federal court building right he's making these these references but you know that's just a a fishing expedition because you're just trying to widen it to a point where it doesn't mean anything but you know i do think that if he were smart about it and wanted to make a kind of sharper little point he could say something that i believe to be true it's not really falsifiable but 
you know, if the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys were running riot in one city in America for one year plus, crippling mm-hmm. the commerce of the city, terrifying people. Occasionally someone gets shot in the head from one of the Proud Boys or Oath Keepers opponents. Um, and mm-hmm. I think we'd probably be paying a little more attention to it than we pay to, you know, the absolute disaster that is Portland and why people. But that's not what we're talking about. We're also talking about a federal thing in Congress yeah. versus something that's happening where all those doofuses go to live in Portland and then ruin the city. Yeah, it sucks, but it's not the same thing. And it, it deserves its separate attention. My only problem is it doesn't really actually get that much attention because, you know, even Joe Biden during the campaign, it's like it's not a real thing. It's a. It's a state of mind. It's a, what, is it, what did he say? It's like, it's a, I don't know, man. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. You are so, come on. You are so doing that from now on. It's I so try great. I yeah. try to do it on my own into a mic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. It's, it's probably going to be a waste of everybody's time, but I mean, I get your point. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I can appreciate that argument, Matt. I, I, I suppose my my thinking and and this is fairly consistent with what Moynihan just expressed is more that there had been this expectation that something very insidious had happened and that there was going to be all of this evidence that came to the fore to show that there was a broader coordination and that there had been actual public officials who'd been openly supporting an insurrection and Every, giving them reconnaissance every tours, passing yeah. day <laughs> yeah with every passing day there's been less and less evidence to support most of those most I, I don't want to use the word hysterical because i don't want to completely dismiss them you know perhaps some of these questions were legitimate early on but the most extreme potential realities attributable to the sixth like those seem to not really be a thing anymore except in the context of this investigation, which at the outset seems to be looking for those broader patterns and those broader realities and to attribute blame. And when Nancy Pelosi is getting ready, is is making her speech today, and she's flanked by fellow members of Congress, one of whom is uh, Benny Thompson, the Honorable Benny Thompson, who had also launched a lawsuit suing Donald Trump and Giuliani and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers for their parts in the January 6th attack, or uh, I should say domestic terror attack, as this legislation does, it's just hard for anyone to take this as sort of a credible effort to get at and ascertain the truth. And I think there's, it's far, it's far less likely to yield the kind of interesting insights that the 9-11 Commission report most certainly did it makes it much harder for me to take seriously the condemnations that are being hurled at folks who oppose this, who let's say they all oppose it for political reasons. I don't know that it justifies um, the assertion that, you know, anyone who voted against this was quote, trying to downplay the violence that occurred on January 6th and align themselves with Trump's version of reality, unquote. And that is a quote from a CNN piece, which is presumed, which is ostensibly a straight news piece. Um, and it's just that doesn't seem right to me. So well, here's the th- here's the know. way of thinking about this. You know, um, Benny Thompson is not going to be the one who leads the investigation. It's going to be people who are lawyers who have who don't hog cameras. Um, right. But Benny Thompson I'm was sure, leading the effort to try to get Republicans sure. to vote in favor of this legislation. He had I'm been sure. tasked with that by Pelosi. That is a project that you hope to fail in because it's actually <laughs> much better for you if Republicans aren't sure. on board with this project. 
I am sure that at the time that the uh, uh, that Barack Hussein Obama's uh, federal government decided to wow. do a big inv- really? inv- investigation into uh, the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, that there were mm-hmm. uh, uh, hyperbolic uh, statements made by Democratic uh, lawmakers at the time about the investigation. Um, and mm-hmm. yet that investigation um, gave us great extra net knowledge about the specific uh, details of the death of Michael Brown. It was a serious investigation and, in fact, absolutely rubbished or flummoxed the normal hyperbolic mischaracterization of that particular mm-hmm. interaction with police. I was so a convenient grand it, jury. That wasn't it. Um, I think well, you had that, but you also had the Justice Department report. You had the ju- no, it's the Justice Department report is what is what I'm talking about okay, here. There was a, a convenient yeah, yeah, grand, separate, yeah. um, because yeah. people didn't trust actually the grand jury because yeah. there was a whole argument that the guy who, who mm-hmm. was in charge of that was uh kind of uh, implicated or or it was was dirty from previous things. So there's a, a lack right. of trust. Right. Um. So these things can produce. Um, uh, actual really good information, despite how bad CNN is, despite how bad lawmakers are. CNN's going to be terrible. Lawmakers are going to be terrible. Trey Gowdy's going to be terrible, even though, he, again, he's, he's skilled at some things. Um, and maybe some of those lawmakers and maybe some of the CNNs are skilled at some things. But, like, it's very easy to get distracted by the bullshit and to conclude that, therefore, just wash your hands, all of it. It's all going to be partisan and bad. Um, you know, invest in crypto, uh, eat at Arby's. I mean, um, um, yeah. I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go there. I want to pretend to be serious, even if the world around me is not. Um, because what is what is your, what is the, like, what is the uh, uh, the the option the option is to burn it all up okay but I don't want to burn it all up I think that's that's going to lead to bad things so I, like I, have an one, investigation this one I would say that you know I, I get the parallel and I think you're right about um, the Michael Brown the investigation Arby's, as, Arby's uh, no I said Hardy's is better than Arby's yeah thank um, you the Michael Brown investigation of course gave us a lot of really relevant and interesting information you know that by the way had no effect on anyone. Like the hands up, don't shoot thing was rubbished by that investigation. And it's still a chant and a mantra in many, many circles. Um, and I, if you say to people that that never happened, they are baffled. I mean, educated people, you know, activists have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, the only difference is I wonder, I wonder what it is we're trying to find here. Whereas the Michael Brown thing is we're trying to figure out what happened in very, very contradictory witness testimony with no available video. Did he grab Darren Wilson's gun? Did he go into the, was he running? Did he have his hands up? Was it in his back, et cetera? Um, there's a lot of stuff to find out there. It strikes me that with this investigation, the only thing that you're really trying to find is, you know, can we pin this on Donald Trump on one side or can we on the other side just say this is a bunch of independent bozo actors who have no uh, you know, leadership or, you know, and look, if you prove, by the way, that there was some pre-planning here and there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of people looking into this and it doesn't seem like, you know, particularly, you know, the FBI has been looking into it, you know, endlessly. And there's some stuff that's leaked mm-hmm. out of that, that they found some, you know, coordination, like we're going to the Capitol kind of stuff. Because people, like, I mean, there's coordination right. eventually because they're in the same group and they're coming from out of town. There's going to be some sort of coordination. Right. But the thing is, is that if it does, if it is proven that there was a significant amount of co- uh, coordination, it kind of vindicates Donald Trump. 
because the the charge against Donald Trump is that day he said go oh, to the Capitol. Them. And if they yeah. planned that before, they didn't need him to say anything because that was what they were Unless, trying to do anyway. Unless his fingerprints were somehow on the original property on the original coordination, and again, you can uh, claim that by saying I don't. I don't think that you're going to find that, but yeah, whatever. Like, no, I mean, you can it, you can you can claim it in the sense of like his bullshit um, uh, claims over and over and over again that the election was stolen is you know ultimately his fingerprints on everything, and that's why people were there because they believed his lies. So, but you know, you can't you can't criminally prosecute somebody for something like that. I think the uh, the. Yeah. Uh, State I think they, is trying for my answer to to that question, Michael, well, is is actually thing, yeah. I I you know it's it's the uh, the chain of command, the planning for the event itself, the people who said what and when in terms of deployment and dealing with the situation on the ground. Some of that uh, is not like necessarily is is a partisan seeking answer. Just like what happened. Like well, what happened and why? I think that's useful information. That's what I want to see. Um, I'm I'm not eager. You know, I don't want to 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 discover a partisan conclusion at the end of it. Um, uh, I grant that my take on this is is not going to be the mainstream of anybody's. Uh, but I think that that is the discoverable in- information that would be interesting. Yeah, and look, and one final point is that on the. Um, these connections, however tenuous they are, and people, you know, amongst oath keepers and, you know, people that are militia types uh, trading messages and saying, we're going to go down to this rally in, in D.C. Um, what does that mean? People will, of course, you know, take that to mean, well, this was coordinated from the beginning. Whereas on the other hand, I was the, the reason I mentioned Lee Hamilton reading the 9-11 report was this guy Salahi, who was the uh, Guantanamo prisoner that was, I think, released in 2010, 2015, something like that. And he wrote this book that everyone loved. And he's, I heard him on the radio the other day. And it just like made no mention of anything. He's just like the guy that was beat because he was tortured and really, really horribly tortured. But it's also true that nobody talks about this in the review of his book. in The New York Times is praised everywhere that the guy literally was a recruiter for Al-Qaeda and admitted it. But no one mentions this in any of these news stories. And it's funny how you deal with somebody like that who gets this kind of gauzy, Vaseline on the lens, soft focus treatment in the BBC that I heard the other day, Whereas the, you know, the fucking fat loser in camo who's like, let's go down there is going to be like, he's a domestic terrorist. Put him in Guantanamo. Never. He shall never see the light of day again. It's like they both suck, but one's actually a lot worse. (laughs) So everyone's going to basically what I'm saying is everyone's going to put, you know, their own politics, their own stamp on this and inflate it or deflate it, depending on uh, how they want the result to, to, to look. Well, something I didn't mention a moment ago was uh, some news out of Chicago today, and I believe it was today, if not yesterday, um, but Mayor Lori Lightfoot um, is, uh, I guess, approaching, what, the second anniversary of her inauguration, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and had made an announcement suggesting that because of racism and white supremacy, yada, 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 she was going to be granting one-on-one interviews to members of the press in Chicago, but only to men and women of color, journalists of color, I believe is how she, she specified mm-hmm. it. So they don't have to be men or women. They could be non-binary. But in either mm-hmm. case, they need to be persons of color. Demi Lovato and, is interviewing her right now. <laughs> which is fine, so long as she's a journalist and in Chicago. And Mayor Lightfoot is like, what does that actually mean? Uh, yeah. Non-binary? <laughs> <laughs> which which is actually really interesting because you know this is part of the diversity and inclusion initiative but i think it's also like very much illustrative of the orwellian nature 
of those those words and phrases in in terms of the way that they're used because precisely what she's looking for is neither diversity or inclusion like what she's doing is excluding people on the basis of their race and she's insisting That's that they exactly can right. only be a particular kind of person who actually interviews her so this is uh actually segregation and it's exclusion explicitly um, and I did want to commend uh, reporter yes. uh, Gregory Pratt, yeah. Yeah. Um, who I saw yeah, tweeted that I am a Latina reporter, the Chicago Tribune, whose interview request was granted for today. However, I asked the mayor's office to lift its racist conditions. He doesn't say racist. That's my insertion. But I was going to say, wow, really that's true. Yeah. Um, to lift its conditions on others. And when they said no, we respectfully canceled. Politicians don't get to choose who mm -hmm. covers them. A fucking man. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know what Lori Lightfoot was trying to do. Uh, I know that she imagines that this was a, a, a gracious, wonderful thing in pursuit of a noble goal. I know that there are many Americans, unfortunately, disappointingly, who think that this is also a, a massive improvement. Um, but I think it's despicable. And it, it also struck me today. I had to go into into San Francisco briefly to go get a haircut, which you guys can see the fade. It actually looks quite it's good. good. I'm the new fade. barber. But he, he, you look like what, you're a kid I, in play. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, well, that, hey. Yeah. <laughs> you look like that old rapper Kwame. Um, <laughs> who rocked the Pokemon. But, but one, one thing that, that always strikes me when I'm in San Francisco, we had homeless people in New York. But the homelessness in San Francisco is oppressive in a totally different sort of way. And mm -hmm. in certain parts of the city, you, you kind of feel the pressure of it, the desperation of it. And I think a lot of locals have managed to, to become pretty numb to it. They, they know how to look past it. Some of them, I, I did see someone today like address themselves to someone who, you know, was homeless and they were having a conversation with them and then gave them something and, you know, continued on on their way. But even this evening, when I went to go grab some food before we started recording, not too far down the street from me here in Mill Valley, like I saw a homeless guy get into it with a police officer while everyone was like eating outside, having their meal. And I was just struck by the contrast of these families, young kids with their parents. And this homeless man is screaming at this law enforcement officer expletives and and just carrying on just steps away from them and you know parent pulls child a little closer and everyone's of the same race so to speak mm. and because of that it's fine but this is a city where i know there has been an intense amount of concern about racial disparity and racial equity and it just it just seems so odd to me that there is this this newly newly manufactured concern this generic concern for people who look a particular way while there is so much material concern and not just genuine palpable, like I can't not be confronted with it when I go into the city. And I don't know, there's something about both kind of the performative morality of Lori Lightfoot's commitment to only do one-on-one -on -one interviews with minority journalists and the reality that she's actively discriminating against a whole universe of journalists that may not fit those qualifications. And there's something despicable about that. And in the same respect, the notion that there is this functional need on the part of black people to be protected by, you know, their betters in society. And at the same time, this massive segment of the population here, at least massive with respect to their need and their, their constant presence in the city and so far as I can tell, 
no great social concern on the part of a city that has just been kind of devoted to these other social causes. And maybe that's unfair, but it just I don't know struck it me is. a little bit this evening. I think it I think it is fair. And I think that I mean to get slightly conspiratorial about it is that if that um, was happening not just in LA and in San Francisco, but in a city that was governed by George W. Bush or something, I think you'd probably be hearing a lot more about it. It's been an intractable problem that has not, you know, been been alleviated by progressive solutions. So there's probably a lot less attention paid to it because the traditional solutions that people would want to apply to these things uh, haven't worked. On the Lori Lightfoot thing, there's two things that strike me about this. Is one is we don't really react to this. This should be enormous news, but it's not because it's been so normalized. Yep. Um, and 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 you know, I was just like you, Camille. I was pumping my fist at this uh, reporter. Um, but when you read it, I just had a, it stopped me a little bit, and I was like, actually, let me dial that back and criticize him a little bit because he should say something d- different. He said, you know, uh, elected officials don't get to choose who covers them. Sharpen that mm-hmm. point. Elected mm-hmm. officials don't get to choose the race of the people covering them is better. Mm. Because elected officials always choose who covers them. Donald Trump always gives uh, you know interviews for Fox News. You know, Barack Obama was always going to to do it to non-Fox News uh, networks, which is you know everybody that wasn't Fox News. People are going to go towards a politically sympathetic people. So you know, don't give people the impression that they they have to kind of you know generically and democratically just talk to everybody because they don't, and you can't force them to. But it strikes me that that you know discrimination in that way coming from the, an actual government official, from the mayor of Chicago, who is presiding over a a daily mass murder, which is not her fault because it didn't start with her, but she's certainly not doing anything to alleviate it. And her concern is that you know the the people who are talking to me and interviewing me must have a certain hue of their skin color, and they and and to Camille's point, I'm always talking about the like implausibility of anything, you know, um, real biological, genetic, et cetera, of race and the stupidity of it is that what does one do? Have like a Pantone swatch? Like how does one, (laughs) you know, is, is our friend Thomas Chatterton Williams, is he black enough to interview her? Are we talking culture? Are we talking the way of speech? Are we talking skin tone? Because there's a lot of black people that are fairly light skinned. There are a lot of, you know, people who look as if they might be, quote unquote, black, um, who aren't. So they're, you know, or, you know, again, aren't. It doesn't even mean anything. Like, Dominican guy, is he Hispanic? Is he black? I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know? I just right. I just want my uh, Moynihan to go full, like, Ali G, and use his Red Fox voice, use his Jacksons, <laughs> use his... Is I it because I is get... black? <laughs> You, you got like a, Andy you Rooney's got a, response to that was, are you? Which nobody would say anymore. <laughs> um, that's actually true in the, the old Ali G show. Um, oh, uh, but like, but like, just go in and, and to Lori Lightfoot. Uh, no, I, I, I uh, when this news came out, I tagged Camille and like, uh, and said on Twitter and, and said, you know, your move, Camille. Um, and immediately someone, some, you know, joyless, uh, human sphincter was like uh, on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I know it's hard. Uh, like uh, oh, so you're just gonna you're going to your favorite token. So how are you any different from Lloyd <laughs> Lightfoot? Did it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She also, did it I'm first. Also, I'm kind of making a joke. Yeah, it's kind of, exactly. it's kind of funny. And yeah, also, I do a podcast funny. with him. 
<laughs> but also, he's, but also, he's your favorite token. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's your favorite. He token. is my favorite token, non-black Jamaican Scotsman <laughs> dickhead for sure. Since Sammy I, died, I, I'm looking <laughs> at the comments. <laughs> it's been on the meal, babe. <laughs> I'm looking at some of the responses here, though. Descriptions of me as black passing and black adjacent. Oh yeah, I actually like both of those. Black those are pretty good. Those, those are pretty black good. Jason? That's pretty good. Yeah, black adjacent. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I may go with black passing from now on. I like uh, that. Before, <laughs> before uh, losing the points or uh, b- before moving on to perhaps something else in the near future, um, uh, say this about uh, Camille, what you were talking about, the homeless thing. And again, you're talking about homeless in San Francisco, which is not Chicago. Uh, I would uh, reference Venice Beach. There's just a, uh, a film done, uh, d- uh, done that uh, I uh, retweeted out. If you look on uh, my Twitter feed uh, at Matt Welch on Twitter. Um, Made of like just interviewing homeless people on Venice Beach. It's amazing. I, I had a flashback, uh, to 1987 or 88 where I did a day of doing a bunch of crimes with friends in Southern California. And we decided that the only way to, to like top it off was to sleep on Venice Beach like a homeless person. Oh, wow. Um, and, and, uh, and, so at six o'clock in the morning, there was this gigantic machine, like the the snort in uh, in Are You My Mother, that just like came barreling down the sand. It's like, no, if you're gonna sleep in the you, sand, wait, you were we trying, will... you were trying to live like a homeless person to see what it was like. No, I just had a, had a long, like a very. It's probably the last day that I was a total juvenile delinquent. Yeah, there might have been some spray painting involved. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely some shenanigans at Anaheim Stadium. Just a lot of things <laughs> like. I feel badly about it, although it was so funny. Many crimes um, covered by shenanigans, right there. <laughs> uh, the Roosevelt Hotel was 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 perhaps damaged. Oh, I've commi- it just I've like committed a few crimes at the Roosevelt Hotel. That's by a, the way. This is pre-renovation, yeah. so like oh, yeah, it was, it was more it was more yeah. ghetto. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, but like you couldn't do it if you were trying to like even catch an hour of sleep at five in the morning on Venice Beach in 1988 or whatever got year I was doing this um the snort would come barreling down <laughs> and get you I think Camille um part of the uh issue with the incredible rise of homelessness on the west coast up and down um is not necessarily that people don't have concern as this video that I retweeted out had um uh mentioned like uh it's almost as if the homeless people themselves were saying there's too much concern. Like they, they're like, yeah, we get all this free stuff. Um, people are really nice to us. They come <laughs> by bringing food. I mean, I don't know if it's how conservative the organization was that that made the video. Um, but like the point is, there's a, a sense of tolerance. My old neighborhood in Silver Lake and Los Feliz, where I know Moynihan has committed more than a few crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, crimes there has tent. Yes. Has tent cities in there now. I lived there for ten years. Like Richard was... Ramirez, by the way. I'm just. I'm That's night, fine. Night it's totally of, fine. Two point oh. But but like uh, <laughs> but part of it there, there's uh, I, I think the compassion element to homelessness is what can we do to make housing more affordable? And of course, every idiot says build more affordable housing as opposed to. Uh, create the conditions in which other people might be able to build more affordable housing and then the prices would come down. Um, that's where you apply the compassion. I think that there's this misapplied um, progressive compassion, which is um, be tolerant of these behaviors on Venice Beach. And there's a night cam that many of you have seen, I'm sure. Um, Twitter it is feed horrifying. is wild. It is horrifying. That is the wildest like, Twitter feed. 
Don't you people see what what's happening? That's not that's yeah, none of that is acceptable. Bu- it's bum fights twenty twenty one. It's bum fights. It's crazy. I think we mentioned this recently. Uh, yeah, it was on uh, the Patreon. I know we're not supposed uh, to talk about the Patreon, according to that yeah, guy who yeah. emailed. Because Nino is going to get mad. <laughs> hey, Nino, since you don't yeah. subscribe to the Patreon, yeah. you got worked out, bro. You got worked um, out, bro. Sorry. sorry bro. You got worked out pretty bad. You're going to have to pay to figure out how much you got worked oh, out. Oh, Matt, were you um, mentioning the Patreon? Oh, the poor guy. Oh, oh did I? poor guy. Oh. <laughs> the thing he's getting for free, he has to hear about something that he could potentially pay for. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> should we invite someone else to join Let's this invite somebody else to join. Well, we do have a guest joining us unexpectedly. A surprise guest. Um, because, because yeah. you know what? When the fifth column says, hey, why don't you come talk to us about this thing that just happened? Yes. He, he's like, hey, you yeah. know what? I will. Congressman Peter Meyer is here with us on the podcast. Michi- you Welcome told back, me it was Rashida Tlaib. What do you, this is, that's not, <laughs> that's so, not the wait, Michigan wait, person. Right. Disconnect I, him. Oh, shit. Get Cut off. his mic. Cut his mic. Go shit. get her. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I get a, a text on, uh, you say jump, I say how high. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Running in here. It's a pleasure, gentlemen. Can you go get Rashid Tlaib? Oh, that's, that's right. His he was name, called right? Rashid all day by Joe Biden. Did <laughs> you hear was, that? What Joe Biden called yeah, he was like her Rashid? several times. Yeah. It was very Rashid. strange. Where's yeah. Rashid? Um, oh Rashid, not, not Congress, the best son, Congresswoman Tlaib. Is, is she next door? Could you go get her? Maybe we could just do I, a twofer. I, I wish I had that type of power at my command right now, but uh, okay. we, we have not had as much of an opportunity to you know, unite as a delegation yes. as I would have hoped. Yeah. yeah. Well, she li- I, I interviewed her and she liked me. We got along pretty well. She was, she was nice. Yeah. So anyway. Very pleasant. Very pleasant. But we all disagree, Peter, on the thing that you voted on today. So we're very excited to have you here. Yeah, you oh, can fantastic. try and like... break me over the coals. I'll disagree in the sense that we're all over the map amongst ourselves. Yeah. But yeah. We, we wanted to get your take on this because you are, what, one of 35 congressional Republicans who voted in favor of the, the January 6th commission. I, I wonder if you could give us a little bit of a sense of what you hope this will accomplish what your expectations are with it going into the Senate and how much your Republican colleagues hate you right now. All great questions. <laughs> <laughs> the last question was two words too Especially long. Especially the last one. Right now. That's what we're waiting on. <laughs> yeah, the, the temporal nature yes, of that. I mean, the, exactly. the hatred is, yeah. is enduring and ongoing. Um, I, you know, I think expectations are obviously kind of low. I think we saw um, both uh, Minority Leader McConnell in the Senate uh, and I think every day he gets addressed that way. He ruse mm-hmm. what occurred on January 5th in Georgia. Um, but mm. also, you know, just the fact that if I had to distill down why I supported this, one, back in January, this was a completely anodyne, yes, bad things happened. We should look into that. We should have something that the, the public can review and have as a comprehensive document something authoritative objective right and those are law lofty goals but um if, if you're a newsmax oann person right this was hugs and kisses people were were led into the capitol by the capitol police it, it was nothing more than like a tourist photo op right they stayed within the nice little velvet rope uh thing in in statuary hall um you know if you're on watching MSNBC, it was a white supremacist raid um, and, you know, just as hyperbolic as you can get. Um, I mean, the reality is that it was an incredibly disgraceful, messed up day. And 
let's try not to have that happen again. So, I mean, how can we try to bridge people together a little bit on this? And, and that's going to be hard, right? There's going to be people on the left who probably think that it doesn't talk enough about voter suppression, you know, folks on the right who view it as impossibly tinged in a swamp product. But I still think it's worth the effort, um, frankly, because as a member of Congress, the amount of things that I have learned on Twitter about what happened, the amount of things that I didn't know had happened until someone randomly tweeted it or was mentioned in an article like devoid of context, like the we still to the to the extent that we have any comprehensive understanding, it was presented in the context of um, the House impeachment managers, which all Democrats appointed by Pelosi, the House impeachment managers presentation before the Senate during the impeachment trial. Right now, I neither pretend that that's objective nor comprehensive. Um, so having something that achieves a little bit more of that shouldn't be too much to ask. Um, and frankly, most of the objections I've heard on why not to do it, especially after uh, the, the Democratic negotiators conceded to every Republican demand that was made and that still was insufficient, um, is just, well, we don't want to be talking about this anymore, right? Why revisit mm -hmm. the past? Why go back to you know, what happened in January or relitigate the election. Well, people are relitigating the election. They're building their entire political careers and, and rationale for running for office off of relitigating the election. Um, and, and the realities are just worlds apart. But more importantly, right, how the hell does our country deal with the fact, like if, if the Pentagon came out tomorrow and then this is not outside the realm of possibility and it's like, you know, all those videos of, of unidentified aerial phenomenon that we've been talking about, uh -huh, like uh -huh. aliens are real. Deal with that. Yeah. Wait, is that what they're going to say, Congressman? Yeah. Is that what you're telling oh, me? Coming you out here today. Yeah, 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 Classified briefing. No. No. But like, how oh, do they deal with that? How broken are our brains right now? And like anything intense, like there are really important things going on in this country we really need to focus and deal about. And we shouldn't need to continue to um, be in a position where, frankly, a lot of Republicans, if you ask them who won the November 3rd, 2020 election, they will immediately retreat and go into some long dissembling rant because they can't say Joe Biden. That's really depressing. That's if and you're scary lucky. I mean, most people don't. I mean, the average person. And I, I did a special that aired. Uh, I tried to get you on it, by the way. We just, we just, we couldn't, we, we couldn't actually cross paths that day. Um, I was with Adam Kinsinger, and in one bit, and I've mentioned this on the show, and now you can watch it on YouTube. By the way, go go watch it. Um, <laughs> and everybody I talked to in Ray Texas, Ray with Ray the Ray. exception of one person who was the head of the University of Texas College Republicans in Austin, uh, said that um, that Donald Trump won the election, and they were truly convinced of it. And I could not dissuade yeah. them from this obvious falsehood. And you know, this is obviously the constituents that these people are talking to and want to be. Uh, more Trumpy than Trump, despite the fact that Trump barely exists in our consciousness anymore on like Twitter and, you know, it's not giving a lot of interviews. But when I said, by the way, when you came on that we all disagreed, we all disagreed with, with each other on this, not disagreed with you. Matt very much is it pretty much made the exact same point that you made. Uh, let me put you the, the kind of um, criticism of this. And it is the partisan thing. I mean, when you do a kind of seven to four commissioner that comes down to five to five on the Republican Democratic side, it seems like you're setting up a setting something up to, to make a concession because it's an e easy concession to make, obviously. So you're at this point where everyone's saying this is obviously a partisan exercise. 
they there's there's nothing we can really learn here that we haven't learned from journalism from the FBI's investigations what is the purpose of this further investigation if not to thumb the scale for the 2020 election 2022 uh, midterm elections and keep republicans on their back heels as insurrectionists as white supremacists etc well and i think that's a good question like it, the framing of keeping republicans on their back heels versus force having a party that is digging its heels in exactly, on yeah, a very yeah, fair enough <laughs> un, like, in, indefensible terrain um the there was another concession that was made that was any subpoena has to be bipartisan yeah. um it, it was the same thing with the 9-11 commission and i'm not equating the two many have um but just that sense of there has been such a smokescreen there's been so much dissembling there's been so much revisionist history and and whitewashing and memory holding um, on one side and then you know hyperbolic you know extrapolation on the other side that you know you just kind of hope for something sober right i mean the challenge with the doj and fbi investigations they are geared towards prosecution yeah. right they're mm-hmm. not geared towards having something that can be a, a document that can be can hopefully considered authoritative and like here's what happened Right. And that's really what we're lacking. I mean, even basic elements of, of the timeline of what happened that day have been differing from various entities um, offering their testimony. And I mean, some of these congressional committees that have gone absolutely off the wall bonkers. Um, I mean, I, frankly, I don't trust Congress to get to the bottom of this. I don't trust congressional committees where folks are grandstanding, where they're just trying to get a little soundbite that they can play back home for kind of partisan advantage. Um, the rationale behind having, you know, folks who are no longer serving in office, who have hopefully reached kind of the end of their careers or are not doing it to curry partisan favor um, in the in the shorter long term, um, you know, similar to you know, kind of Baker Hamilton, right? I mean, the, the keen, the, the sort of the statesman, stateswoman, mm-hmm. um, you know, those type of figures that have some credibility and can focus on, um, on, on frankly, posterity so you, you rather have, than anything else. You have hope that this could actually be that vehicle that, you know, these five commissioners on both sides can potentially, in this time of unprecedented hatred and partisanship, come together and give us a pretty straight account of what happened that day. I think if that, if a pretty straight account is going to happen, I don't know what has a better chance of achieving it. So hope is a strong word (laughs) that I'm not sure that I subscribe to. (laughs) What... One thing that comes to mind for me, Congressman, is, is certainly as I hear you talk about you know, Republicans and the commitment on the part of many to this erroneous belief that the election was stolen, I'm, I, I think about their Democratic counterparts after 2016 and polling that suggested that many Democrats believe the election was stolen and former senator and former first lady and former Democratic nominee for president of the United States in 2020, Hillary Clinton, who in October of last year was still saying that the 2016 election was not on the up and up and we still don't know what really happened. And told Joe Biden not the, to concede under any circumstances, by the way. Told him not yeah. to concede yeah. under <laughs> any kind of circumstances. Odd. And 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 there there are people listening now who are saying Camille Foster is getting ready to do some false equivalence <laughs> jujitsu here. But stay not with nice me for a moment. Talk to me like yeah. that. 
I mean, just we're, stay, we're listening. Stay yes. with me. <laughs> stay with me for a moment. What what I hear you saying, Congressman, is that there is there's something wrong in the polity, and we really need to get to the bottom of this. And if there were a bipartisan commission that were interested in the surging political violence and the the broad bipartisan rise in a, a level of distrust of our institutions, that might be something that I personally could be a little more interested in. But the opportunity to do that is is something that it seems was bypassed. And the language that I saw in the particular legislation that was passed today describes the events of January 6th, not even as an insurrection, which is the strong language that seems to be you know, at the forefront of many people's minds. And the, the, the use of that language seems to be, seems to correlate pretty well with which party you identify with. But the specific language is that this was an act of domestic terrorism. Like this feels like something that, you know, the conclusions here are foregone. The people involved here are the same people in some instances who were filing legislate, filing lawsuits against the president of the United States and various other peoples who they thought were responsible for the events of January 6th. And it just, there is something that's very wrong, but this is broadly wrong with with everyone and not narrowly wrong with one party. And I, I don't think we're actually interested in that answer at the moment in the context of this legislation. So maybe you can, you can tell me where I'm wrong. I mean, because I certainly, it sounds like you are interested in that, but I don't know that the rest of the folks who voted for this necessarily are. So let me let me first say the broader kind of breakdown. I have read on your recommendation, and I'm actually like two thirds of the way through it. Revolt to the public. So, oh, great! So we're, you know, <laughs> well done. And and in a hundred percent, the center and the um and and um the center versus the public. I mean, I think that is something mm. that's massive. And and you're also touching upon what was initially. Uh, or what not initially, but became a Republican demand was, well, how can you look at January 6th without looking at the riots over the summer? And right. I, there's a through line in terms of distrust of institutions and feeling like it's just chaotic and disorder. And, and let's be frank. I mean, COVID and lockdowns and mm -hmm. retreating to social media because we've lost a lot of those kind of in-person touches that gave us a sense of grounding and community uh, that broke a lot of people's brains. But yeah. if, if you're looking in terms of the, the difference between like broad simmering discontent that um, was just sort of angry um, and, and sought to upset order in a general sense versus we have a targeted goal of preventing the um, certification of the electors to, to certify the electoral college for you know Joe Biden, right? I mean, one was narrowly targeted with a specific aim that, um, frankly, could have been achieved um, darkly, and, and the other was uh, and a, a reprehensible, um, more kind of uprising, more broadly geographically scattered with no real goal, but just kind of chaos and a venting of, of emotion and frustration. Um, so, you know, there's a through line, but I don't view there being an equivalency from a, um, there's a psychological through line that maybe a sociological mm -hmm. through line, but, uh, when it came to 
how did it transpire? And, and this is where the, the domestic terrorism, I agree with it in a denotative sense. I think connotatively, I just, I kind of prefer violent riot or violent mob um, mm-hmm. because we think domestic terrorism, we think, you know, Oklahoma city bombing, we think, you know, um, mass, mass death. Um, and, you know, in, in the, the statutory definition, it includes, you know, threats of, of violence or coercion in order to affect a political end or, or disrupt government, you know, functioning and activities. So mm-hmm. and that's where I say denotatively it fits. Connotatively, I, I don't like where the mind goes on that because, again, it gets into, oh, this is the worst thing that's happened since 9-11, right? And, and some of the criticism when people say it's, you know, the greatest assault on our democracy since X or the Civil War, um, you know, it's like, well, this was the closest we've come to having just functional governmental processes being being violently disrupted, right? Not in terms mm-hmm. of lives lost, not, you know, I mean, half a million mm-hmm. Americans plus in the Civil War and, and obviously close to 3,000 on 9-11. Um, those were much greater tragedies on a human scale. But when it comes to shaking confidence in the institutions and and frankly, I mean, this is what I was saying all throughout November and December, kind of like a jackass when somebody say, well, aren't you worried that Donald Trump won? I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, listen. every he has every right to file every candidate, every candidate, every person has a right to file and go through the legal process. That's not a failure. That's part of our system that we have that backstop. Of course, he's going to accept the results if this. Of course, no, there will there will be a peaceful transition. Um, I was maybe hopelessly naive on that front. Um, but that that just sense of you know what happens in 2024 right what what mm. precedent are we setting going on how do we make sure that um it's that parties are focused on uh persuading millions of voters rather than recruiting retaining and inspiring a couple of thousand militants and that that's something that can carry the day Right. I mean, there was a fragility that was exposed on January 6th that deeply troubles me because we got it, it was a terrible day. We frankly got lucky in terms of what could have happened if a few things went wrong, if a if a Capitol police officer started to open fire and a lot of oh, the yeah. guys who well, had guns back in their truck or in their backpacks more. Yeah, more than more than one and one isolated, yeah. um, you know, with uh, Ashley mm-hmm. Babbitt in the um, speaker's lobby, you know, if. That, that, I've talked to some of those Capitol Police officers. I mean, their calculus was, if I open fire, like we're mm-hmm. dead, right? We mm-hmm. we are outnumbered. Like this this goes. I mean, it was there was already there was already just sort of like like hand hand to hand kind of violence, but it could have um, it could have really become a conflagration of of just horrific degree. Um, so. Viewing that as we got comparatively lucky compared to what could have happened, you know, I just think it's indefensible to not do everything we can to ensure it doesn't happen again. And to your point, right, if, if you're just like, OK, we solved January 6th, like job done. Like, no, I mean, there's a lot of things we have to do to rebuild and, and kind of repair the sinews and, and the fabric that um, both sides have contributed towards undermining. But. You know, the difference with Hillary Clinton saying, I don't think I won, is the Democratic Party was like, oh, my God, we're so done with you. Like, just go away, please. <laughs> you know, versus versus on the Republican side. I mean, they're like, no, you're absolutely right. 
and and we will follow you, Mr. Trump, anywhere. We will follow you anywhere, do anything at your beck and call. How many people, I mean, a couple of questions here, but the first one is how many people that you talk to um, as members of con- Congress who say such things actually believe it? I mean, I get the less sense. Less than five. Less than 5% or less than <laughs> five people. I yeah. could probably count on one hand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's nobody believes. Do they all have three names. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're all Louis Gohmert. Um, they, <laughs> they. Um, <laughs> I mean, there, there's not a lot of people that believe this. Of course, they're terrified of their own constituents. The only thing they give a shit about is is retaining uh, power. And if it appeared to them that the the um, you know people voting for them and would pull the lever for Jeb Bush before any other person, they would probably sound like Jeb Bush. You know, and I, I wonder is the other thing about it is I was I wanted to ask you specifically about the the word fragility, because I kind of took away something different from it. And Not it was white the opposite. fragility. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I was going to say I can't hear yeah. the word fragility yeah. anymore without <laughs> exactly. thinking about white fragility. Exactly. I saw that Robin D'Angelo tattoo you got on your neck. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> but the fragility of the system, the very white system. Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> so it's always white fragility. But the fragility of the system. I mean, I kind of came away when you know so many people on the on the right that weren't elected officials. I mean, even Mitch McConnell, you know, who, you know, was obviously, you know, judging the, the taking the temperature of everything and just seeing which way the wind was blowing, but, you know, denounced mm. this and, and, you know, pretty fulsomely denounced it at certain points. But it struck me that the system was sort of robust in the sense that, you know, this happened. It was madness. People saw it as madness. As you pointed out, the, hy- the uh, hyperbolic statement started immediately. Chuck Schumer's on the floor, the worst thing since since Pearl Harbor, et cetera. And your nuance on that kind of comparisons, I don't think struck them. I just think it was like, what's a bad thing? We can say this is just as bad. And in a way, there was people waiting for that after the, after the, is the culmination of four or five years of democracy dies in darkness, of four to five years of saying that we are on the precipice in a Weimar-like situation, that it's all going to slip through our fingers. And then they saw that moment and said, see, they're trying to disrupt it. What I saw in that, and tell me why I'm wrong here, when I saw that is like, they might have tried that, but they weren't armed, contrary to what Nancy Pelosi said, the well-armed people, they think, as you, as you pointed out, probably left their guns in the truck. Um, they weren't thinking of the Heller decision. They were like, we're just going to leave our which, truck. Which, there were yeah. like weapons confiscated in vehicles and some do a bunch of Molotov yes, cocktails. Yes, and then and of like, course there were pipe bombs. People that, said yeah. they brought guns that there was like in the backpack. I mean, yeah, like I mean, tapping but, the baton on something. Yeah, But you know, I mean, I was in, I, when I was in Kenosha, you know, there's people openly oh, carrying yeah. ARs in places and that, you know, you didn't see that. But people, you know, rush the, the capital. There's no world in which they're going to overturn the results. This is not storming the Winter Palace and the Bolsheviks are going to, you know, kill the Romanovs in the basement. This is not going to happen. These are buffoonish, you know, idiotic people who are now weeping in jail. Not like, you know, I am motivated for the second round of the revolution. They're like, mommy, please. I'm sorry I didn't mean to go into the building. But do you actually see that? Is it being a real, actual, true threat to democracy in the sense that it would have altered a democratic outcome i i well first of all have you read the statement by the QAnon shaman's lawyer 
Oh yeah, I, oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, great. They're increasingly amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, bringing bring back the word retarded. Yeah, oh, yeah, he said my my guy's retarded. <laughs> there, there's some creative defenses going on. Yeah, um, but um, the, just the broader to me, like the the broader concern isn't like there's going to be some massive like Naruto style Area 51 storming that's going to yeah. like take it all over, right? It's more you have this this counter narrative this alternative fiction that arises that within the context like if if the uh, if trump won and it was stolen in this massive conspiracy um you know setting aside my logical question of is he actually the greatest president if you know the greatest assault on our democracy that he couldn't detect as commander-in-chief right i mean there's 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 a failure in an abrogation of responsibility if that even occurred but but in that event of that conspiracy um, and and the entire government, the deep state, is complicit, and everyone, all all of the traitors. I'm pointing at myself. All of us traitors in D.C. rubber stamped to this illegal taking and, and seizure. Um, within that frame, of course, it's it's permissible to storm the Capitol. Of course, it's permissible to do that. But beyond that, you know, you realize that you can't gather in numbers. You you no longer have that convening ability because of the you know. Uh, isolation and, and, and shutting down and of social media platforms and and you're now on like encrypted channels relative to just about well relative to a lot of places i've been our government officials are very vulnerable right i mean there are maybe out of the 535 members of congress or between senators and representatives maybe less than a dozen have any sort of like protection or security. Like my greater concern isn't that the Capitol gets stormed again. It's that folks start to say, this is a false, you know, traitorous regime that no longer has legitimacy. Ergo, if we're going to take our country back, we need to start picking these people off one by one. Right. I mean, it's that type of simmering low grade political violence. Like we've seen in, um, in a number of otherwise kind of stable countries that we are by sort of just dismissing those folks as, as sort of nut jobs and, and kind of lunatics, um, potentially setting ourselves up to see. So I'm, I'm a lot more worried about just the perpetuation of, um, of, of, of targeted killings, right? And what does that do to our members um, engaging with the public, right? I mean, we start to retreat. We already saw when the Capitol became a green zone, right? It, by the definition, we talked about this last time, the definition of a green zone is that is the only place that is safe. Everywhere outside, that's where danger lies, hmm. right? Like, I don't want to see that balkanization of the country into areas that are like safe zones and unsafe zones. I don't want to see increased suspicion, um, because I think once you start to go down, it's a lot easier to put the fences up, to put the walls up than to take them down. So I'm, mm. you're right. Like, it's not going to be a similarly dramatic statement. And that's not to write off the possibility of somebody who, you know, even despite some of our more regular checks, is able to get a bunch of ammonium nitrate fertilizer and, and do something really dramatic or, you know, get a couple of buddies with AR-15s with 100 round, you know, drums in them. Um, and, and kind of pull a more politically motivated Las Vegas, like that's, that's within the realm of possibility, but how do we, even if it's not as dramatic as that, how do we just make sure we don't further slide into 
you know, into that low grade simmering violence into a troubles, if you will, you know, how do we, so you're in this, you're in this no man's land uh, right now in between the dominant ethos, the Republican party and the democratic party. So it's ultimately untenable and they're going to come after you. You're going to leave. But uh, before that happens, I don't care who's running the gulag. I'm going to wind up in them. I don't get on a flight to New Zealand. (laughs) But let me, let me rehearse a, a common um, uh, fear, anxiety, paranoia analysis, label it what you will that I hear on the left, including on the sort of journalism criticism left, I might uh, call it, which is that um, there's this great asymmetry in politics right now. Um, You have sort of a Democratic Party and then you have an anti-truth party. And certainly there are those things to make you think that, yeah, maybe there's something to that. An anti-truth minority party that knows it's going to be a minority party and so is therefore going to use the levers of power to try to figure out ways uh, to uh, enact an anti-majoritarian kind of rule. Um, and it's not necessarily January 6th itself that is the dress rehearsal. It's the yahoos in Arizona trying to look for bamboo shoots uh, in the uh, uh, ballot recounting. That's the dress rehearsal. It's the people um, who count the election next time um, uh, who now have sort of created their own space to believe that it just doesn't matter. We're, we're going to crudely draw the lines however we do that, whether it's through, um, you know, election reform, ballot reform, or whether it's just through I've got two people on this board instead of one Democrat. And so we're going to conclude X, even though Y is the truth. Um, do you believe that yourself or is that a, is that even overlapping with the worry uh, that you yourself have about the mainstream Republican Party? I mean, I'm concerned insofar as some of those activities, and we had something similar up in Antrim County in Michigan that's become like the Roswell for um, election truthers. Uh, you know, there's there are things that just <laughs> kind of these more UFO references. <laughs> the truth is it's out good. there. Peter knows something out there. <laughs> I see what you're. I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I see yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Former military man, Camille. Remember we talked about earlier? It's always the military I guys. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Said, I've been telling you little tic tacs. The tic tacs, really, yeah. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but there are those there are those things that kind of give aid and comfort to, um, you know, despite how how ridiculous they are on the outside, right? I mean, if you're operating in a zone free of any fact or objective, you know, grounding, um, it's not like oh, we didn't find anything. Right? You're always going to find something. Like that, that's the whole point. Like you can't not yes. find something, whether it's that's valid or not, you will find something. Um, I'm that, that worries me. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of criticism from the left that is completely, there's, there's an arrogance and a hubris there. Um, I mean, I, I think of the controversy before November 3rd, which was that every single freaking mail truck that broke down or every yep. box that was removed was evidence of a widespread conspiracy for Donald Trump to, you know, uh, steal the election by undermining the well-functioning 
and an incredibly efficient United States Postal Service, yes. right? Like, it was, <laughs> so, up until now. was idiotic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, no, it was it was totally Donald Trump's fault that there was a long term shift in the ratio of first class mail versus packages that led to the changing of some of these sorting facilities, right? Um, that so there there is that trend, right? And and to your point on the structural side, um, I was listening to to Jane. Coastin's, um, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing her name right because mm. I feel like it could go both ways. Yeah, Jane right. Coastin's, like the argument where she had um, two people whose names I have already forgotten but were very, um, very far left. And it. For- forgettable? Very Bolshevik. Exactly. But the whole, the, like their, their point was the if you don't recognize that the Senate is broken because it's divided up as two senators per state, even though Wyoming gets two senators, you know, and, and each senator has X number compared to California, you know, that it's a rigged system, right? Uh, you know, the, the belief that so many things that are fundamental to our bicameral, you know, democratic Republic are somehow, you know, corrupt because they aren't, perfectly mob rule you know majoritarian um, there is an incredibly illiberal trend over there on the left that is kind of cloaked right now because all the emphasis is on the right and because the QAnon shaman is a lot more exciting than whatever person <laughs> who you know was a Bernie bro and is now getting into fights with people at the you know Center for American Progress, right? I mean, those are like okay, we're, we're tired of you blue check argument, dude, over here. You know, go back to Pod Save America. Like that's a lot more tedious and annoying, and frankly less interesting than than a guy with Viking horns, right? So there's a, there's an attention shift between the two, but I think there's a similarly illiberal streak. Um, that just isn't really being focused on, but we also haven't seen the violent manifestation of it by and large. You just see it in arguments that say, well, if you can't afford as a business owner to pay somebody, you know, $30 an hour and, and get them a living wage in San Francisco, then you have no right to be offering them a job. Oh, okay. We're, we're shifting the, the goalpost pretty dramatically in, in each direction. Um, but one just kind of gets like the snaps and the other, you know, has people chanting, hang like pets, right? So, I mean, one's going to get a little bit more attention than the other. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think you see that a lot with the Marjorie Taylor Greene stuff of somebody who is, you know, a person of almost no significance and of limited mental faculties, as far as I can tell. And, you know, is getting, you know, 90% of the oxygen because there is the thing, like when when Donald Trump disappears and he's not on Twitter and you can't, you know, read the tea leaves and have 95 people on an MSNBC panel trying to figure out exactly what it means and who he's calling to insurrection in this kind of subterranean way, is that you do have to, you know, find these guys. I mean, the QAnon thing is a great example, is that are the QAnon people dangerous? Well, I mean, obviously there's some some amount of that, but there are far fewer of them. And I think it's Nate Silver at 538 keeps on pointing this out um, that, you know, if you look at the polls, most people are like, this is either crazy or I have no idea what it is. But, you know, the proportion of coverage, of course, 
is to, and I, I get why people are conspiratorial about the press and how they kind of disproportionately focus on this stuff. And then there's a building roaring fire behind a CNN reporter. And it says, you know, mostly peaceful protests as people are being literally <laughs> most, incinerated in buildings protests. behind them. Yes. You know, totally. It's just some, it's, it's like a peaceful march. Um, but it looks like it's green screened. But, you know, this, that kind of disproportion, like uh, before you came on, I was criticizing Kevin McCarthy for saying, let's totally make this, uh, let's make this um, investigation completely worthless by expanding it so much that we get back to, you know, the the shooting of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. I I mean, this is ridiculous. It's like, (laughs) how far back can you go? Those things can be separate, but it does. And I didn't say this before, but it does underscore something that I do believe is an issue is that people tend to downplay the extremism that has uh, grown up on the other side, too. I mean, obviously, Republicans had Donald Trump as a president, and the extremists all looked to him as their dear leader, and he was the dear leader of the of the free world. Whereas, you know, these are a bunch of bonehead ex-punk rock kids in, in um, you know, Portland who believe that they're members of the Zapatistas or something. But that kind of stuff, after the summer of George Floyd spread pretty far and wide. And and I saw so many people in the mainstream actually defending the actions as the legitimate response to X or Y grievance. So, I mean, as far as like Mm -hmm. everybody drifting down that path, I think that essentially the Republican Party has to correct itself at a point where they just keep losing elections because this stuff does not, I mean, you have to give this stuff so much oxygen for it to survive. And when the elections, uh, you know, steal bullshit, disappears what's it going to be next that you know they try i mean with barack obama they couldn't do that for for, you know he won um resoundingly twice and it was like he's a communist he's a a secret muslim he's a this that and the other and people just get bored by it and i don't the republican party cannot sustain itself without a guiding philosophy and ideology which it has lost it has nothing i mean spending i mean obviously you know this where you are is there are you guys are you just buying fucking printing machines at this point are you printing currency in your office right now because who the hell is going to pay for it and republicans are like great let's just give them give them more checks maybe they'll vote for us it's like what does the fucking party stand for at this point peter slash representative meyer like what is it what is it that you are why are you a republican at this point when they seem to hate you when you seem to be the one standing athwart history, standing athwart the party yelling stop, like what is it that draws you to a party that seems to have abandoned whatever it was that drew you to the party in the first place? Masochism, maybe? Yes, I mean, just like a, a, like a self <laughs> Why do you hate yourself, Peter? I saw you burning yourself with cigarettes. I thought I should call someone. Uh, <laughs> I just need to feel something. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> no, I mean, as the hot knife goes into his forearm. <laughs> Thank you for the headline. I just want to feel good. I just want to feel good. Oh, feel something. Monsters yeah, Ball. It's a great good. film. Yeah, let's let's just speed bump past that like deeply searching philosophical question. I don't have a great answer <laughs> yeah. to right now. Oh, God, um, Peter, it's only your job. It's only your identity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
free you, markets and yes, free there you go. <laughs> have you been to Myers? Those yeah. other identity or Meyer? Oops, yeah, yeah. I put an apostrophe s. Uh, oh, you, you are welcome to <laughs> okay. to pluralize as as you are possessivized. Possessive. But you like also must be frustrated because um, yes. you know that so many people actually agree with your policy positions, but have abandoned them for you know whatever the party's become now. Well. But I mean, let me set aside the the kind of the philosophical precepts or like the the character principles, moral, all of that kind of touchy feeling stuff, and just focus on pure cynical political reality. Like the thing that I am still waiting for somebody to give me confidence in that there's a strategy, and and this, and I will, I have had these conversations, and um, we may disagree on sort of the avenues, but the problem is appreciated by all sort of sentient Republican members of Congress is right now we have a Republican electorate that, you know, for the past four years, Donald Trump's outreach was to lower propensity voters, right? I mean, that was the novel thing he did in 2016. He didn't try to pivot to the middle. He tried to bring folks back into the process who had felt, uh, who had gotten disillusioned, who had felt they were disenfranchised, who, you know, felt they weren't represented. And, and there was something, if, controversial in tone at least like creditable in some degree of aspect of like let's go in after that forgotten yeah. man and woman right the challenge is again those were low propensity voters whose affinity was towards donald trump the man um couldn't really care less about the republican party uh they didn't show up in 2018 they didn't show up in the 2021 senate runoffs in georgia um and that was all before january 6th Right. So, I mean, we lost the House, we lost the White House, we lost the Senate. Uh, so that coalition was insufficient. Then you had January 6th, where we have been just kind of hemorrhaging high propensities, suburban voters, you know, the moderate, slightly more affluent, college educated. We've been hemorrhaging that population for a while to the point that a lot of congressional districts that had been intentionally gerrymandered by Republican state legislatures to be safe for Republicans mm in 2011 under that apportionment plan were then held by Democrats in 2020 because the, they, we had shifted so much in that demographic between, I think it was between November and February. Um, one out of six individuals who had, who had identified as Republican in November, no longer identified as Republican in February. Right. So you, you had this already untenable electorate and then you're piling on, um, sort of what I describe as defund the police on steroids in terms of the saliency of the political attack and the negativity of the message, right? If somebody was turned off by Trump's tweets or like, ah, it's annoying, but like, okay, still like economy's good. We got all these nice things going on. I like this policy. I like that. You know, you can, there were people who could no longer hold their nose on that up until November, 2020. There were some who could. Now you throw on, you know, beating police with black lives or with uh, blue lives matter flags, you know, in, in the Capitol. And <laughs> not, not the best look. No, it's not. A, no. It's not, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people don't want to associate with that. Right. I mean, it's, it's aesthetically challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, so so that's I mean, that's where we are right now is that question. If there was if we were a parliamentary system that could hold snap elections, um, God help us right now as a Republican Party. And so I think a lot of the chips are on the fact that Joe Biden is going to screw things up, right? We're already seeing inflationary pressure. 
Um, I think there's an arrogance on, on the Democratic side that is that is undeserved. Uh, but the idea that Joe Biden is going to screw things up and that the, you know, between redistricting and and sort of midterm snapbacks and the first term of the presidency, that that alone will catapult us in the majority. Um, it could. It, it may not. I mean, that basically all the chips are on that. And then what to do with the guy who continues to intentionally undermine confidence in the election, right, who is telling his base who is the Republican Party's base, that it's no point in really voting because all elections are rigged and doing an incredibly novel self-sabotage mission in terms of disenfranchising your most loyal, trusting voters. I, I just, I don't see how that ends well. I don't see how that builds towards a party that can actually win. And this is why I say, I feel like we've, we've traded being able to um, to, to radicalize a few thousand militants rather than focusing on persuading, you know, tens of millions of voters, because there is so much of an emphasis right now on maintaining Donald Trump's low dollar fundraising network. Right. And the thing is a cash mm -hmm. machine, but <laughs> we're, we're like holding on to that in order to, send out advertising and, and convince all of the people who are turned off by everything we did to keep that. Right. I mean, it's, it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's a fantastic job for like a consultant or for the advertising firms or for all of the people peripheral. Um, if you want to govern and I want to govern, um, it doesn't look possible, but you know, the possibility that I've had to enter into my head is maybe we actually don't want to govern. I mean, maybe maybe what I thought the goal was of seeking elected office was the ability to implement policies that you viewed as moving the country in the right direction. Hmm. That that was my fundamental. Message. This is every Hollywood that, movie. That the incentive Peter. You know isn't that, right? to make impact. This is everybody that comes to <laughs> Washington young. and it's like Jimmy Stewart is. I, I couldn't believe it. They don't want to have a party. Yeah, Jimmy, he's an old guy. Yeah, they don't want to govern. I can't believe it. But, but the thing is, it's like Peter. Your best hope here is. It feels like this. Is what you're saying. And it seems like this might actually be true, that the Democrats do what the Republicans did. I mean, there is so much evidence right now that Joe Biden is, you know, sort of drifting towards the Twitter left and ignoring the sort of mainstream Democrats and saying that, like, we have to appease this progressive wing that really doesn't have as much power as we think it does. And, you know, the first time I've seen them kind of distance a little bit, but even it's even just a little bit coming back is on the the recent stuff in Israel is that, you know, they've been, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty Obama, Clinton, everybody, you know, supporting Israel, selling $750 million worth of weapons to Israel before this happened, of course. But it, it seems that, you know, they're constantly head faking with the, the sort of, there, there are no blue dogs left apparently and going to the AOC wing. And that might be the destruction of, of them. But you guys might be have to be ready to catch those voters in the middle, and God knows how you're going to do it. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is is if they move too far to the left, who do they lose? Right? They lose the same people. We should be waiting there with the yeah. net to catch, and and yet we are, you know, telling those folks to pound sand. That's a very nice way of putting uh, um, it. <laughs> super quickly, um, you mentioned redistricting. Uh, Michigan loses a seat. That's that's yours, right? Let, let's be let, let's be clear about that. 
Like, well, how is that not? We gonna... have an independent <laughs> redistricting commission. No, <laughs> well, it's so yours. It was going to be a Mosh's for the kind of the same reason, uh, and now it's going to be yours, right? I mean, I'm. We do not know what an independent commission will do. <laughs> However, um, I, I the majority of, of the third district as the second the the county in Michigan that's had the second highest you know population rate of population growth and in our my neighbor to the west Bill Heisinger um, he has the county with the you know highest rate of population growth so all a lot of the population loss or stagnation has been on the southeast side and in Oakland County there are four Democratic members of Congress who live in the same county right so again all of those were both between Voting Rights Act compliance and you know, suburban gerrymandering that favored Republicans at the beginning of the decade and disfavored at the end. Um, you know, it's going to be I'm, I'm a lot more sanguine than maybe some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle in terms of how redistricting pans out. And uh, all, the numbers could change. Also, <laughs> uh, as quickly as can be, there is an initiative uh, last week unveiled. Very exciting uh, with uh, Evan McMullen, former independent presidential candidate. And the dude who wrote the anonymous piece for New York Times who got everyone sweaty for a half a moment in uh, 2018. <laughs> and turned out he was the pardon attendant into... at the DOD <laughs> spillover <laughs> lot. <laughs> they, uh, they're, they're starting a thing called American Renewal. And if you read their so you know list of principles, which is going to be like they want to change the Republican Party from within to be patriotic and about truth and about free minds and free markets. They actually use that. Um, uh, and, uh, and it's explicitly anti-Trump, um, and, uh, and all that good stuff. And if they can't convince the Republican party, they're going to start a third party. Sounds like a Peter Meyer party. So are you, uh, excitedly joining the, the McMuffin, McAnonymous the McMuffin party <laughs> initiative? I, I start off with a visceral frustration with anything that uses Trump as either an organizing factor in a positive sense or in a negative sense, right? I mean, it, it's still fixated on personality politics, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm... That's a no, Matt. Yeah, let me just, <laughs> let me just sigh. Uh, <laughs> Representative we do a sighed and then hung up. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, uh, as I said to you, Matt, in well, that text, well, it, I just, I mean... If he wants to win, he's got to stop looking like a Ukrainian neo-Nazi. He's got to grab some hair. McMullen just looks scary. He just looks like a bouncer in like Serbia. I, you know, so I'm just saying it's my own. <laughs> Have you met Ukrainian? Has anyone has anyone here been to Ukraine to like Mario? No, why? No, far right groups there. Do you, Have you? Do you? It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, I was there in July 2015. It's war correspondent friends. Like it is a. It's a. Ukraine's a fascinating yeah. place. It's, yeah. Wow. You suddenly piqued my interest. Pull that out of you, your, all of your anti-Ukraine sentiment. <laughs> hey, an episode <laughs> in Ukraine. Yes. Peter and I are live the in fifth Ukraine. Live in Ukraine. Live in Donbass. Live, special yeah. guests, Congressman <laughs> Meyer. An occupied Donbass. And son of the president, Hunter Biden. <laughs> yes. Local oil executive, Hunter fairly... Biden's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got to have somebody talk about Nord Stream Ukraine. Is a documentary I want to watch. Actually, oh, man. I want to see that documentary. Right. These are my favorite hangout places <laughs> in Kiev. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, Congressman, I appreciate you stopping by, I and mean, we we've held you. It's getting a little late there on the East Coast, so we won't hold you 
Um, but again, do you have anything that you want to share with us about the UFOs? What do mm-hmm. you know? Have you been yeah. read into this? Have you seen anything that suggests to you that these these are not this is something that the American people ought to be concerned about, that we are not alone in so, the universe. Can you can you confirm or deny? <laughs> well, I can confirm. Yeah. That, that as per the 2020 National Defense Authorization Act, it included a mandate for the Department of Defense to release a report yeah. on unidentified aerial phenomena. That's right. Uh, that will be coming out next month in June. Truth um, is out there. It, it'll have an unclassified portion. And a classified act, annex that I am. Oh, you get the classified. So, you can, so you're going to get the, cla- you're you gonna get the classified it? one. Man, can you bring your? Oh, oh, can you bring yeah. your you've got to debrief that, that shit and for us. And send that shit over to us. It's it's called it's called a need to know, and I got to respect. I need, it's going to leak. Yeah. It's going to leak. It's going to leak. Motherfucking aliens are coming yeah. down. <laughs> but I mean, I think we should. We should appreciate the fact that, A, not only is evidence of aliens about a thousand times more compelling than evidence that the November 3rd election was a landslide victory for Donald Trump that was stolen. Right? There was like a thousand yes. times better evidence. Yeah. But B, that um, everyone's just kind of like, okay. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. But the DOD, the DOD was like nothing to see here, nothing to see here. And then the pivot was, yeah, we have no idea yeah, what we don't know what's in that. that our aviators we don't know what's I mean, I appreciate the frankness. Like, I think there's, I don't know if that's like trusting the public more, um, but I am, I'm obsessed is the wrong word, but I'm, as someone who grew up watching the X-Files, I am highly. <laughs> Camille's, by Camille's the, the a pivot. problem. You guys, I can't, you yeah. can't tell him I, that because he's, he's going to be texting you about getting the information. It's <laughs> quote unquote. Can I tell you, like all the my videos public, are yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. My public school, my public school um, library and elementary mm-hmm. school, like actually had a bunch of books about like Project Blue Book mm-hmm. in it. And I would check them out like over and over and over again. I kept all of them and would read them and like commit sections of these books to memories. Uh, Matt, to memory Matt, it was because, the worst I mean, school in America. Seriously, <laughs> what's more interesting than that? <laughs> it was ranked the worst school. Well, look, that's all they had. In Prince George's this County. Is, it was actually in Loudoun. <laughs> So this is actually in Loudoun, oh, Loudoun County. County. That's where I yeah. went to. Yeah, that's where I went to, to yeah. school. Um, which Loudoun County now lousy with uh, critical race theory controversy these days. Oh, that's actually. right. It's been featured yeah. on uh, on Tucker Carlson's show. Yes. So that's interesting. Must be true. I got I got out just in time. <laughs> interestingly, <laughs> when are, I was, are the schools <laughs> even open enough to teach that theory? <laughs> Who knows? Zoom in a room. They're open CRT. enough to argue about it. That's I hope for the sure. time, Camille, that That's you finally sure. accept Tucker Carlson's invitation that you go on to talk about UFOs and not about like critical race theory stuff. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, yeah. I was reading these books. I'll tell the story about my abduction. Yeah, I'll tell the story. Are you going to say I'll you don't self-identify as a human? <laughs> Uh, critical uh, space theory it, yeah. <laughs> it was right there for us that's why he's in congress and we're in a fucking podcast that's the problem we left that's that on good. the table that's pretty good in, in all seriousness i am holding out hope that there will be some concrete evidence of oh God, life on other planets coming here to visit us and stuff that said that said based on what i've seen so far what's clear to me is that we don't have enough information to make any sort of determination about the veracity of these claims. We just don't know enough. I need to see some corroborating information. It's not enough for me to get a couple of eyewitnesses. I need more. So, Congressman, please, find out. 
Very, just call me. You, you got the number. Real text controversial me. opinion text is we me. don't have enough evidence. <laughs> we don't have enough information. I'm just saying, on one hand, you can't dismiss yeah, this no, out of no, hand. I can't. I can't. Uh, so are you suggesting that we should have some type of, um, let's go throw this out there, like, like a, a bipartisan independent yeah. commission that <laughs> yes. gets to the yes. bottom of it and yes. that can finally... Uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like seven that Democrats make, but I think you should have some outside... <laughs> Some outside observers appointed to this Lee commission. Hamilton. You want this to be Harry Reid, led by Cyclops Harry Reid. Oh, yeah, Harry Reid. Sure. Isn't he nuts yeah. about this stuff? Is he like a super UFO guy? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. Oh, is you, by, by which you mean well informed and fearless is still and devoted to getting at the truth. Is, he's, he's with us. us. We'll yeah. get him on it too because you know he used to like hang out with. Yeah. Well, how about McClane. me? Remember that? Maybe me. Maybe put me no. on the commission. No, I'm just saying. That's, I think it might be a good idea. What is? I mean, no, that's, I'm okay. going to be racist and say no. Okay, <laughs> not, no, not <laughs> at all. Not. You're fired from this commission. All okay, right. all right. Well, Congressman, thank, thank you. Peter. you. I appreciate thank you so you much stopping by. Always great to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Have a great night. He's just so real, obviously real, t- real. Yeah, got senioritis because he's going to get <laughs> redistricted out. He's like, oh, yeah. I just fucking go talk about aliens and shit on the yeah. podcast. Listen, Who cares? No, this is that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Little, it's fine. Little Marco Rubio was that those names will never go away. No. Did um, you see he, him on that? He, Did you watch he was that? On 60 Minutes? I know. Yeah. You watched him at 60 Minutes because he was doing the lip licking thing. He still needs water. Like he Wait, didn't what, never, yeah. what was the thing? What was he on for? The oh alien shit? Yeah. yeah man. So you, you didn't, didn't do your homework. One hand. I didn't I watch did him. You know why? Because it's why? fake news. <laughs> I don't, oh I don't God, need this stuff. Well, you know, well look, no, you when know, they come, you, I'm the first person to be like, whatever you guys say, I'm, I'm cool with. <laughs> I'll tell you what's legitimately fake news. I'll tell you what, what? what's legitimately fake Uh-oh. news. I don't think most of the journalists who are covering this story, and it's a legitimate story. You have these videos, yeah, sure. the Pentagon yeah, yeah. is saying they don't know what the hell is going on. There is not any sort of rigorous skeptical analysis of these reports, so far as I can tell, from any of the mm-hmm. journalists who are covering this. And I appreciate folks who are covering it in a sober way and not a completely sensationalist way which is to say that they're not just dismissing this out of hand or just kind of laughing their way through the segments. They're taking it seriously. If, in fact, there is a pattern of, of sightings and the Pentagon isn't taking this stuff seriously, like in our airspace, mm-hmm. and they're not telling anyone, they're not even saving the, the, the documentation. Uh, there's no documentation of this in certain instances. They're seeing having experiences every single day for years where they're seeing things they can't explain, like that's a huge deal. And Americans ought to be interested in that if that's true. I'd say that's a I'm massive interested. failure. Right? Me, Look, if but... we can get a rover on Mars, maybe somebody else can do the same thing. It's fine. You know? Let but me just say, but I still tra- want to see like some serious, rigorous skepticism and some thoughtful analysis of this stuff. And quite frankly, like the best work is being done by like independent observers on YouTube. And I've seen basically nothing. Uh-oh. From the journalists in terms of Camille's, like rigorous Camille's investigation. Camille's like, a, this guy <laughs> said he's a doctor yeah. lawyer <laughs> on YouTube. No, I'm talking about, guy, I'm talking about the, the, most, the videos. There's all sorts of these space aliens going through this, the sky. No, and I'm I have talking about doc, Dr. Binox. No, I'm, I'm talking about the debunkers who are actually interested in saying, well, you know what might actually be going on here? Here's what might be happening in this video. And it is not at all difficult for me to imagine that there is a completely legitimate practical explanation for some of the things that we've seen on some of those videos that managed to evade the, the understanding or interpret the potential interpretation of like experts 
at the Pentagon associated with ATIP. That's not so crazy to me. So, there's a book. Yeah. There's a book whose name I forget, and it's marvelous, and it's done by a former, I believe, Wall Street Journal reporter, um, 60s, 70s, maybe early 80s, but I think it's the 70s, um, and uh, totally convincing to me at the time, not about aliens, but about the way that spectacularly and this totally informs if you please go and watch at least you know the 13 minute youtube version of the 60 minute segment about ufos because it 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 it, it, it dominates the narrative the structure of it as does all reporting um back in the 50s um the uh national security state absolutely positively had a stake in making the word ufo me be congruent to flying saucers and if you think about it even for a half a second why is that it shouldn't mm -hmm. be ufo doesn't mean flying saucer it means unidentified flying object it means i don't know what the sh what is that i don't know who has <laughs> a, a, a vested interest unidentified aerial uh yeah yeah it's the it's the term of art that's in the 60 minutes thing that you you didn't watch even though camille sent you the link um unidentify uh, <laughs> uh yeah my isp blocks fake news it's uap <laughs> unidentified aerial phenomena yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. and and i'm yeah. sure they use that because they just had to get away from ufos because ufos they like they planted people in communities to be insane ufo conspiracy theorists because they didn't want people looking into what was actually happening in that all those air like force bases <laughs> no but it's it's like it's super well documented this that's, is absolutely that's not... legitimate yeah come on no man. it's like they were flying weird aircraft <laughs> in the right. southwest of the united states the and they didn't Welsh. want people looking and so what do yeah. they do they made it all seem like crazy ufo people and they yeah. they super just as real as cointel pro is they they the government also the man yeah <laughs> uh, no they they put that in there Did and the so, aliens like, kill fred hampton to this day like <laughs> no the question isn't people. the question <laughs> isn't are there aliens that's interesting that's a sideline um but the real question is what was that we don't know and that's a normal question to ask and so and and if you cut through, but like the, the 60 minutes correspondence, like, you know, that sounds weird what you're saying, don't you? Yeah, like, yeah. really? UFOs? No, seriously, it's, it's actually kind of shitty. Like, I, I, why not do some better reporting than that? I mean, I get it. Again, you have some eyewitness testimony from people who were there, but a lot of this isn't new. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I suppose I should stop expecting them to do better. Like this is what they can do. This is it. Okay, here's a question. This is the most imp important question. Uh -oh. Is if these UFOs were manned by alien beings, uh, what so already? Is, going for it. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to go yeah. for it because it's possible. Yeah. Uh, save violence. Save a you know like catastrophic war that they're going to wage on us. Excluding that, what is the worst? <laughs> what is the worst eventuality? from the aliens and i'm thinking like you know do they come and they say 
you know, we really like Ibram X. Kendi. I mean, what is the, <laughs> what is the worst? What can they do? And we're like, oh, fuck, we've been waiting for this. And it turns out that they actually invented critical race theory <laughs> and dropped it in like a box into like, you know, Morehouse College in the it's 70s. Just the or uh, Monsters Over Maple Street part two, right? Yeah. I mean, what is it going to, I mean, what are we expecting? Camille, what is the worst case scenario for you? I mean, you must think about this. You always got, you got your fucking telescopes. You came to my house and you were like stargazing half the time. And yeah, uh, I mean, this is good open sky. Yeah, you're, you're yeah, into no, that I stuff. Mean, we actually have really great skies out here too. I got up super early today and I saw Jupiter and Saturn this morning when I was, I was leaving the house. Actually, we're expecting a, a blood, a blood, a, super, a blood supermoon lunar eclipse later this this month. Which is actually it sounds weird. pornographic, <laughs> to be honest. It, it is pretty pornographic, actually. Ooh, I, even talking about it has me pretty excited. <laughs> has me pretty excited. I just finished. Um, so, Man, that's like an R. Kelly <laughs> movie. The Blood, the blood <laughs> Superman. <laughs> um, what's, the worst, what's the worst case scenario? Yeah, what is I mean, it, it's what like you, some what sort of fear war, the war, most? Some sort of war of the world situation. But but look, this is the thing. You don't go halfway across the universe, find another civilization so you can like murder all of them. Yeah, they're like, probably just, just white supremacists. You just don't do that. <laughs> I'd be really disappointed. Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. So if they if they were to come here, one would have to imagine that they are enlightened and that they are colonialism and that they they come to enrich us with their with their wisdom and knowledge. And that would be amazing. I think that'd be great. I would welcome I'm so that. scared of this already. Like, I, I think yeah. I don't want to confront it because I'm scared of it. I I'm scared of, of, of like, <laughs> of, you know, I just, I can't deal with the world as it is. I don't need a new <laughs> race of people introduced to it because it's just going to be like, oh, God. <laughs> Do you have better drugs? If you have better drugs, if they're like. Oh, they've got better but, drugs. But what if yeah, they listen, came off the ship and it was just like. If they travel faster than light, they've got better drugs. Yeah, but what if they came off the ship and they're like, we just got like cocaine and ecstasy. I'm like, you got the same shit that we have? That's so boring. <laughs> like, yeah, we're, we have like, we live in space, but th- we haven't gotten beyond the cocaine and the ecstasy. <laughs> um, Some flying trap house. <laughs> <laughs> flying trap house. Oh my gosh. Monty Python's flying trap house. Um, it's actually a pretty good mixtape. DJ Esco um and and Future is uh extraterrestrial, Esco Terrestrial. It's a oh. good mixtape. Yeah. Like you can go find it. Yeah. Um okay, well we should probably punch out of here. Yeah. Um, we, we are gonna do a release next week, but then the week after that, we're going ham in Miami. Going uh, ham in Miami. We look forward to seeing you out there at one of the shows. Two shows, Um, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Yeah. Well, doors open at 6. Come come early. Yeah, something. It's it's on the ticket. Just show up. You're going to see it. It'll It'll be be fun. We're just going to fuck around. It'll be fun. I don't really know what's going on. Um, we didn't talk about the Israeli-Palestinian situation. Um, I don't know. (laughs) It's not going anywhere. (laughs) There is for us to illuminate there. Um, there is there is like an interesting um intersection with domestic politics as of oh this my god week. I've seen really? a lot more conversation with the BLM about stuff the BLM stuff the the sort of wokeification of the Israeli Palestinian conflict people informing so us clearly that all this is I mean this is just another manifestation of people of color being oppressed by colonizers it's the same there's nothing complicated about this at all we know who the bad guys are. And they're monsters, and it's just white supremacy all over. Do they again. know that being trans is illegal in Gaza, as is being yeah. gay? So you can't well, it can't be too woke. Hamas is not the perfect. wokest. 
Nobody's yeah. perfect. <laughs> Particularly um, Hamas. They're not, they're yeah, not perfect. It's just... I, yeah, there's the, a lot the to say about this. Palestinian conflict you know? seems to be capable of making absolutely everyone just completely lose their mind yep. in a year and in, during a moment when everyone is kind of losing their mind already. And yep. As, as with most things, all I really have to say, the bottom of my analysis of all of this shit is it's complicated. Like, it just is. Like, it's legitimately complicated. There it's are things to criticize all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we probably shouldn't ignore the fact that, like, when someone is firing like hundreds of rockets into a civilian area, it's kind of bad. And we could, shouldn't dismiss it or pretend that it's fine because one team has like an iron dome. And in much the same respect, when a whole class of citizens is not really regarded as citizens and are fundamentally deprived of rights, just kind of as a matter of policy, and that is the status quo and it doesn't change, that's probably going to breed some bad outcomes too. This is a super screwed up situation, really, really bad, and in many respects, completely intractable. And pretending that it's simple, like I don't think that that's very helpful to anyone. So well, in a short period of time, rather than getting into it, we can say this. I sent you guys a tweet today that um, just demonstrated what we've been saying for five years, is that the Black Lives Matter is a phrase it's something that um, is very well plotted because it's something that no no sort of normal human being can disagree with. But it's more than that. And it's a political movement. And that's and mm-hmm. it's with with very, very strict precepts of what it believes. And of course, um, at the, the tweet I sent you guys today, the, the official Black Lives Matter um, uh, Twitter account took a very strongly pro-Palestinian uh, stance against the colonizer uh, Israel. Um, and particularly very odd because... You know, particularly when it comes to, I, I, I don't know if they're talking, I guess they're talking about East Jerusalem or, or you know, West Bank or something. But, you know, Israel pulled out of Gaza in 2005, guys, which is why they have all the rockets. Didn't have the rockets before. They pulled out unilaterally and then all of a sudden the rockets come. So um, maybe, I mean, I think in, from Israel's point of view to the Black Lives Matter treaty, a little more colonialism would make their lives a little safer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's probably how they think about it now, but uh, but they did pull out of Gaza. But there's a lot to be to be said about this. And as Camille points out, none of it's easy. And um, this, this is the first time that it's really kicked off in um, a real hyper social media world. 2014 was really the last time and it was social media existed, but it wasn't all consuming like it is now. And every fucking idiot that I know who knows nothing about anything has decided based on some instinct or feeling or what side they think they're on. They're left and they should be pro-Palestinian. They're right. They should be pro-Israel or something. And it's created a, a particularly toxic and noxious new brand of stupidity that I have to say in the past couple of days has just been really enraging. But, uh, but you know, so it goes. We'll talk about it next time. Yeah. We shouldn't talk about that live show. It's a real downer. <laughs> We're going to get to the live show. <laughs> we, and be we like, won't. the first segment is about the Holocaust. Everyone's like, oh, really? <laughs> it, yeah. it won't be. It won't be. Sorry. But you should come to the uh, show. And yeah. uh, you should sign up for the Patreon. Ha ha, Nuno. <laughs> Nino. <laughs> Nino. Like New Jack man. City. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, Bye. let's get out of here. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The